welcome to the WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? A very cordial welcome. All right, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to the WTF Forum. We're back again. Number nine, forum number nine. We've got a, a new guest and a few returning guests. Uh, so we're going to go around the circle here and we're going to make our introductions as usual. This is Mike the Polymath from the Easy Peasy Podcast. Uh, and I'll pass it off to Ando. What's up? Ando from Burn Babylon Burn and the Doom Kitchen. You can find me with... Oh, write the levels down a little bit, Mike. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. I'm just going to pause it. <laughs> Ando made us some so badass you... intro, intro, outro music, uh, but we're, we're going to figure it out along the way here. Um, so yeah. there's, there's a little thing next to it where you can just write it down. And since you got a mouse, you can write it down with the mouse. And huh. you know, I don't see that, but... Um... Oh. I'll figure it out. That's how it works on a cell phone, at least. I do it with my Oh, finger. you know what? I see it now. I see it now. Ah, wow. all right. All right. We'll, we'll get cool. smooth with it. We'll get smooth with it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Burn Babylon Burn and the Doom Kitchen. You can find me with libertylinks.io slash the Doom Kitchen. Search Burn Babylon Burn in your podcatchers uh, or on YouTube. But you find me other ways with the Doom Kitchen, like Twitter. Rob, OG Dad Bod, what do you got for us? Um, OG Dad Bod, uh, I, pretty much anything I've got account wise is going to be either my name or my name with a one. So don't have a podcast, just here to talk some shit and uh, enjoy a good conversation. Awesome. All right, Black Labs. Hey, this is Rob at Black Labs. Hopefully, you guys can hear me now. Uh, had, a little, hear had a little bit of equipment failure. Um, you can find me at blacklabs.net. Um, that's just kind of a holding place. Uh, also, uh, Black Labs on Telegram and uh, Black Labs. Uh, I think it's Black Labs Podcast 1 on Instagram. I've had to move my Instagrams back and forth a little bit. They've been uh, spanking me because I've been naughty. So, <laughs> Well, we like, we like a little bit of naughtiness in this forum. So it's all good here. And we got a new guest, Phytophiliac. Tell us about yourself. Um, I am a, uh, I'm actually a nurse, uh, if you can believe that. Um, wow. But I make music. Uh, it's my escape from the insanity of healthcare. So I make music. I post it on uh, SoundCloud. And it is usually available on all of the streaming platforms, uh, my entire uh, discography, except one. Um, but it's all there, all the good stuff anyway. And uh, you can find me on SoundCloud and on like on Spotify, YouTube Music, um, all the other places. Awesome. Well, glad you're here. Um, I guess before we go uh, into the topics of the day, uh, you know, Ando, we should probably just like 
have a little recap of your last 24 hours, homie. Uh, you, <laughs> you've had, you've had quite the adventure, haven't you? I, I always do. My life is an adventure, but, uh, but yeah, today, um, I, I'm, uh, I actually got to hang out with, uh, Mike in person last night and this morning, but I headed up to, uh, to rural Indiana to pick up a truck and, uh, the truck that I was supposed to pick up wasn't around, but there was another truck with similar numbers. So I, I actually thought it was the right one. But there was no battery in it, and I also didn't bring water to where I was at, so I had to escape that area. And I was about almost seven miles uh, away from from civilization. So I, I started walking, and this really great man named uh, named Toby picked me up. So shout out to Toby! Thank you for uh, for getting me where I'm at at this point. So I'm very happy right now to not be still on that walk. Actually, I would have finished that walk maybe. 15 minutes ago if, uh, i had a feeling I, I had a feeling man that some some good natured hoosier would pick you up if you just started walking that that distance so were you were you towing your luggage i guess oh yeah so so for backstory right for listeners that are not a not aware ando is a truck driver but specifically he goes and recovers trucks that have been left behind for what one reason or another i'm sure it, it depends um but he hit me up yesterday and he said hey man i'm on my way to indianapolis i'm gonna be landing at about you know 10 o'clock and uh you know you want to hang out so i picked him up at the airport last night we went and had us a couple of cold brewskis uh when he says we hung out last night and this morning i just want to be clear like you know no homo <laughs> <laughs> we were didn't just get trendy with friends right yeah well it was totally a platonic hangout this was not a date <laughs> maybe yeah, we should we say it was we, you know we we'll did. get on all the podcasts and it'll be great we'll just well, say we're all good. oh i'm not trying hey, to our esd homophobic. score will go up yeah i'm not trying to be homophobic I'm, I'm just trying to be honest <laughs> It was a it was a purely platonic hangout between two uh, male humans where we had beers and he slept on my couch and then we went to the Waffle House, uh, you know, picked him up at the airport, dropped him off at the at the Greyhound bus station. But it was really fun, man. It was good to see you. Um, you know, I joked with you. It's like I see you more than I see some of my friends that live here in Indianapolis. Uh, but that's just the way things are, I guess. Uh, right now so yeah it was a good it was hang, super man. cool seeing the doctor again yeah 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 he liked he liked seeing you too man uh he always likes having company so but with that out of the way um i guess you know i've oh, got a couple uh, of go ahead the doctor's his dog by the way the uh, doctor is my is dog dog yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> so and like, did not get a confused looks around here. Yeah, <laughs> no prostate exams, no, you know, nothing, no testicular examination going on. It was all above board. I think this leads us right into uh, Fido's story. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> so, um, I actually uh, monitor um, healthcare websites and and um, things of that nature just to keep an eye out for anything new and crazy coming along. And every once in a while, there's a doozy that comes out. So 
there was uh, an FDA release on the 26th, actually. And it says FDA approves first orally administered fecal microbiota product for the prevention of recurrence of C. diff infections. Now, this is a infection that you normally would get after taking a really strong antibiotic or if you're in the hospital and you're being treated for whatever and you get an infection, they're called hospital acquired infections. And this is literally a feces based medication that you would take for a period of like three days to treat a C. diff infection. And um, it's Can quite I ask what, what, what does C. diff mean? C. diff is a, um, it's an organism that lives in your GI tract already. It's already there, but your gut biome, your normal flora that is, that lives in your gut is usually the one that keeps it in check and it keeps the yeast in check. It keeps the, uh, the E. coli and the, um, and the C. diff, it keeps them from running rampant in your body because they also serve a purpose in breaking down the food that you eat so that you can absorb it through your, the lining of your GI tract. <clears throat> well, when you take a high-powered antibiotic, really any, antibi any antibiotic, if you take those for a really long time, um, they, can, they kill off all of the good bacteria. And so there's nothing to keep the rest of that in check. And so the C. diff usually is the one that takes over, or you can have a yeast infection too, um, but they will take over and cause you all kinds of abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, just really awful stomach flu type symptoms. And the only way to get it, get rid of it is to get your gut flora back into balance. And this drug actually, it has a, um, it has, I'm looking at the article here. It has a bacteria in it that is harvested from the feces of donors. So people have donated their, uh, excrement for study and they have, the scientists have isolated the bacteria in that to, uh, uh synthesize it and make more of it and put it in capsule form. And this is a capsule that you can take and you take four of them uh, every day for three days. And it's supposed to realign your, your, um, your gut flora. And sorry, my dog's walking around. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the, the problem with this is that um, someone also also pointed it out and it was mentioned in the article that there is a chance that, the food allergies that you have uh, can be flared up, can 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 um, can be exacerbated by the food, the, the contaminants in the uh, from the donor, because what that person eats may not be what another person can eat. So if there's food allergies, there's no there's really no way to know if you're going to have a reaction to it. And interestingly enough. Um, I read another article about this. They said that one of the primary side effects of this medication, they're calling it VAUST, B-O-W-S-T. One of the primary side effects is diarrhea. And I'm like, how would you know? <laughs> because one of the primary, <laughs> the primary symptom of C. diff is diarrhea. <laughs> so, We're going on the Oregon mud trail. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, I just, I, I don't even, I, I don't understand. I don't even get it with these people anymore. It's you're going to pay this 
top dollar for this medication when all you got to do is just get your gut flora back in check, which taking prebiotics, probiotics, immune system boosting supplements, and usually you're good. They, there is actually a pill you can take for this that's already available on the market. It costs 30 cents to make per pill. It's, it's really, really cheap. But apparently they brought in Nestle to help um, research and develop this medication. So Nestle actually gets a piece of the pie. This is a, a combined effort. This uh, they were really quick on that. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I guess. So I, just I guess <laughs> Nestle's Nestle's in the business of more than one kind of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just cornering the market. I read this and I was like, "Who is this for? Really? I mean, seriously, who is this for? I don't understand. We already well, have actually, a treatment for it." It kind of it kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Like I I mean I've heard about fecal enemas, right? Yeah. Um, like that's a known treatment when somebody trade like poop with someone. Yeah. yeah South when... Park did an episode on it. We watched it the other day, and, and then a couple. Oh of yeah, episodes. yeah, Tom Brady. <laughs> but yeah, I mean when you've when you've basically obliterated your gut flora, yeah. uh, the the best treatment is a fecal enema, or I guess now this new fecal uh, pill as I called it in the chat, a shit pill cracked me up. You know, I'm like, I don't know who this phytophiliac person is. I, you know, I have to say, I assumed you were a man. I'm, I'm grateful. We finally, we have our first woman on the fucking WTF forum. Thank you, Fido. Um, but no, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, me as a gardener, like I always talk about how my, I think my, my immune system is, is, pretty damn strong largely because i have my hands in soil like all yes. the time all the time there's dirt under my fingernails and not only that but i'm working with a lot of compost that has basically freshly broken down you know manure inside right. of it and you know it's this kind of counterintuitive idea that if we if we are too clean we get sick you know, if we cover our bodies in freaking hand sanitizer, you're opening yourself up for all kinds of trouble. Well, because... and not only that, you're you're not only for the opportunistic infections, but like with the with the antibiotics, you're killing off the good bacteria that is actually mm -hmm. protecting you. And mm -hmm. so you have no defense when it comes to um, certain illnesses. And so even like, you know, with like the common cold, you know, you have. Um, you have bacteria and stuff in, in germs inside your lungs that are protecting you in your lungs as well. And you have the, um, <clears throat> you have what's called cilia on the inside of your, your um, airway. And it's, it's the thing that moves um, foreign objects and, um, and germs that are harmful to you. It moves them up through your your respiratory tract so that when you get that tickle to cough, you're coughing it out and you're actually getting it out of your body. And so, you know, that's, that's just another line of defense that your body has. And when you start taking all of these pills that half of the time, they don't even really, they can't even explain how some of these medications do what they do. There's, there's things that these medicines do to your body that make you susceptible to illness. I mean, look at all of the, like the, um, the medicines they give people for things like rheumatoid arthritis or uh, psoriasis, they're like, let your doctor know if you have um, this disease or this other disease, because if you take it, it suppresses your immune system. And then that other condition is allowed to 
flare up. So it's, I think people should be more willing to make food their medicine as opposed to, you know, taking a shit pill. <laughs> hey man, I just, it cracks me up that it took us this long to be like, Hey, if your gut's out of whack, eat a little bit of shit. Yeah. <laughs> eat the poo poo. But it's par for the course. I mean, you know, um, um, True Stream Media did a thing a couple of years ago where she was talking about the increased uh, presence of the idea of poop in just society. Just, you know, the poop emoji. You know, they have the the uh, the emoji movie where they it was about the poop emoji doing something. Or I don't know. I didn't watch the movie. I, I was I refused to watch that movie. Yeah, that movie looked but, really dumb. Yeah, really but there's dumb. like yeah. this 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 obsession with feces and it's like that's what, that's what, exactly <laughs> south park is no better to be completely honest you know and it's just it's just the when people are upset when someone is obsessed with with um excrement that's usually the first sign of a mental illness <laughs> you know right. uh, those people are usually evaluated by a psychiatrist and determined to have some kind of there's, there's something going on with them that's not normal to be obsessed with fecal matter. So um, just all of these poop jokes and, 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 and granted, you know, it's just human nature to laugh at fart jokes. We just we just do. But, you know, there's a there's a line and we have definitely crossed that line. It's not just poop jokes or fart jokes anymore. It's it's so much more pervasive than that. And this is a pretty good example. It's even uh, fallen over into the medical field now. So. It's an agenda. That's the problem. It's because it's because they did. Everyone hear about the transgendered kid in uh, in the Netherlands who died because um, apparently he didn't have enough to work with um, as far as his regular sexual member. So they decided, yeah, to transplant. Wait, they part they, of they his couldn't turn his Audi into an innie. Well, I, I think they did, but they it wouldn't have met the requirements because they didn't have enough right. to actually form it or something I happened. Remember that, yeah. Yeah, and what did they go for? The colon, really? Could you just? How about this? Here's an idea. What, whatever happened to just taking a graft off your arm or something, or or better yet, you know, how about don't do this anymore because it's obvious that uh, this is not a safe and effective uh, treatment for anything, especially not for mental illness, which. Unfortunately, that is most of what is going on with the trans people. No one wants to talk about that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of reason to believe that a lot of these uh, gut biome issues and things we're having go wrong with us on the bacterial side, especially for digestion, is caused by undiagnosed uh, parasites. So, you know, because the thing I want to ask is, what's the treatment plan uh, with this uh, supposed fecal bacteria transplant effectively is what you're doing by taking the pill. Are they going to go through and do a full workup of what of the of parasites first? Because that's what should happen. Because the parasites can strip the gut biome too. And if you treat it with this poop pill, you're only going to get um, you're only going to get uh, mediocre and or probably temporary results because once the parasites do their job. Uh, all those bacteria will be reduced and they'll be uh, back to the same point at which they started. But instead, they'll be paying, what, $300 a pill or whatever ungodly amount yeah. that that uh, pill is going to cost. You know, when no. you could just take I ivermectin or you could take hydrochloric, but hey, we all know that does two things. It makes you a Trump supporter 
and it makes you straight and it gets rid of your mental illness. Because you know what? All three of those things are correlated with parasitic infection and people don't want to face that. I have the study. I've got at least 50 of them. Let me read this off to you real quick. Intestinal parasites, signs you may have one. Fatigue, exhaustion, depression, or frequent feelings of apathy. Have we not seen that in everyone post-COVID? That's why you can't get people to go to freaking work. Yeah. And ask, ask a doctor to do a parasite workup on you. He'll look at you like you're insane. As a matter of fact, he'll send you to psych first. Because did you know that one of the key elements of mental illness is thinking you have parasites? I can't even make this up. Yep. So you, you go round and round. That's, you know? a cyclo- that's a cyclical argument for sure. That is true. Yeah. Now, Rob, Rob, I don't, I, I'm super glad you're here, man. I missed you. Uh, you're a smart guy. You've got a lot to say, but I gotta, I gotta tell you, your audio is kind of rough, at least on my end. Um, is there any, is there any way you can hook up some kind of microphone or switch? Is it not loud? Is it not loud enough or what's it's, the deal? It's, it's, it's almost muffled. Like, it's like muffled, like almost too, uh, bassy or okay. something. Yeah. It's like, it's coming from a pillow. Yeah. It might be. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, might, I see. you might be there hooked up to the wrong audio um, input or something. Is that any better? It's cleaner, yeah. Okay, we'll run yeah. with that then. Way better, way better. Quieter, but like in the right kind right. of way. Um, awesome, man. So, yeah. It was all, we could hear you, we could understand you, but it was just a little bit rough. All right. So when people are getting these, these doo-doo pills and eating them uh if they if are they consuming other people's parasites maybe and this could also be part of part of the make people gay agenda (laughs) 65 percent of gay people have have parasites that and fauci was the one who did the study that's the most hilarious part of it in the bathhouses of san francisco is where fauci did those studies yeah this but pretend there's no correlation. Please ignore that. This is news to me. Um, it's because you're racist. That's why. You know, I I almost don't even want to. Shit. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you guys something real quick. This is like a total bummer. Like I'm not trying to bring down the vibe of the show, but a real a real fucked up thing happened. Um, a friend of a friend of mine. You know, somebody I never met. Long story short, they were murdered in their own home this weekend by a disgruntled lover of the same sex. Most likely, you know, allegedly unconfirmed un un, you know, it's not they haven't gone to trial yet, but I couldn't help but feel like this particular story that I have like a a personal connection to is sort of indicative of the greater issue at hand, mental illness, sexual degeneracy, um, violence, death, um, murder, all of it. Toxoplasmosis, right? Isn't that what it's called, Robert? Uh, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Toxoplasmosis from cats, uh, makes you more promiscuous and, uh, if you're more promiscuous, especially if you're already involved in the uh, LGBTQ community, but especially gay men, um, that uh, there will be more chance of transmission of fecal parasites. Um, so 
What is this that, about cats? What can you can you break this down for me? Yeah, the toxoplasmosis is a it's a parasite that is transmitted by cat species and or cats when they walk in their poop and get it. It's why they tell pregnant women not to change the litter box when uh, if if they have a cat that let somebody else in the household do it because right. of the toxoplasmosis can be transmitted to the pregnant woman and then to the baby as well. Wow. You know, we are in, we are already, we're, we're only what, 10 minutes in here and we are in some dangerous territory, folks. Dangerous <laughs> territory. Holy shit. But like, nobody's given us very like good explanations. I mean, this, I, again, you know, reiterating the um, intro sort of disclaimer. This is not medical, legal, financial, anything kind of advice. This is all satire, y'all. This is all, we're in Minecraft right now. But hypothetically, fecal parasites could could be yes, part, I, of, part of I, the I, equation here. I mean, I think so. I, I'm, yeah. I agree with that because we know it is documented, we're very well documented that an imbalanced gut microbiome can actually cause mental illness symptoms, anxiety, depression, and uh, just general unwellness. And that's a documented fact. And, you know, it's, it does, it does make sense that parasites would also be included in that. So would this maybe be a like a biological scientific argument in favor of the biblical man, I was just about to go there. Yeah. Prohibition prohibition on sodomy. I mean, why do you think everyone in Sodom and Gomorrah was crazy? Remember they were eating people there. Okay. There was rampant violence, etc. Now here's what's funny. There's a lot of, there's a lot of studies that can correlate, uh, that correlate Chagas in a particular, uh, population with an increase in crime. Uh, one of the places that's most riddled with Chagas, especially, uh, is Brazil. And I mean, it's hyper-violent there. And it's no, it, it's no coincidence. Uh, science, science has known about the parasite slash violence and aberrant behavior connection for almost well over 100-something years, uh, but they don't want to face it. As a matter of fact, Chagas is considered a neglected tropical disease and remains as such. Uh, to the point that they took the researcher for Chagas here in Austin because Chagas now doesn't, it doesn't abide by borders. It's all over the United States, especially because of transfusion from people who are coming up across the southern border. Um, so people are getting it from other people. They found that there may be a salivary pathway from Chagas just by kissing somebody. Maybe you could get it. Um, so they took all the researchers here in Austin and moved them to COVID research. And it's bizarre that they did that because COVID allegedly isn't a parasite, although all the COVID symptoms look very much like uh, acute Chagas. So uh, we're in some weird territory right now medically, and no one has any good answers. So. There's also something else that's going to get your goat if you think about it. Um, something that I've noticed is that people who have um, like serious psychological issues seem to be and this is just my opinion. I can't, I haven't backed this up with scientific fact, but it just seems logical to me that people with like the serious 
diagnosis of mental illness that they are purporting out there to be like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, they tend to be more aware of the spiritual realm, but they don't actually know that's what that is. So all of these schizophrenics running around that see these monsters that nobody else can see, that is textbook spiritual influence. And people don't want to accept the validity of a spiritual attack on their life because it makes them sound crazy. And when I think if people would really stop and think about it for a minute, more health problems, that is actually one of the main signs of a spiritual attack is a health problem. Something wrong with your health, something making you feel bad, making you feel sick and tired is a spiritual attack. And if more people understood that and took steps to protect themselves from spiritual attack, I've, I would guarantee you that a, a lot of health problems would go away. Now, that being said, it doesn't help to do all of that and then keep eating the same crap that they keep feeding us from the grocery store, the processed, overly processed food that is damaging our bodies. You, it's, it's, a, a whole, it's a whole body change that you have to do, ju not just your insides, but your heart, your mind, your soul, and what you eat and what take in. Everything has to change. But it's a it's a step by step process. You can't do it all at once. But spiritual attacks, I think, are far more responsible for a lot of health problems than what people really want to admit. I wouldn't doubt it. I I think that the parasites are demons, and that's why why we were also told not to drink uh, the blood of of animals and people. And uh, and then you know, there's also obviously the the sodomy we just spoke of. Um, there's almost everything, uh, the, the washing rituals that were in, uh, Levitical law were things that would wash away these parasites. And so, uh, and then whenever you find, uh, a guy like, uh, the demononian or, or whatever he was, that was, um, just full of demons, uh, and they were cast out into the swine, right? Um, yeah. that was, yeah, that, it, I mean, that guy was just full of these parasites and and if you've seen that show on discovery about the parasites that they pull out of people some of these things are massive well they're Seven not massive like yeah worms out of somebody's but, head it's amazing yeah. that they can even live they list they're right. literally living with half their brain gone the thing has eaten half of their brain have you seen the videos of the parasites getting pulled out of the uh the praying mantises I mean, yeah, like yeah. The, the, like the inside, entire inside of this. Like, how do they have organs? How do they? How are yeah. they even able to function? They're they're ninety percent parasite. And somehow they do. And even humans are susceptible to that. There's been people who have had their liver completely riddled with worms, and yet they don't really have much uh, liver debilitation. And there's again, Chag. There's been cases where. Uh, Chagas has eaten through a, a, por a good portion of somebody's brain and they're not showing any symptoms except maybe like mild headaches or something. And then they happen to do an MRI and they go, oh my God, look at this, you know, and end up having to fix all this. Chagas is weird though, because Chagas actually kind of rolls dice with your genetics in that um, it, causes these, it causes these weird web-like uh, growth to, to basically grow between your arteries and your heart and your brain and things like that. Um, and there's, I think they said there's that they, uh, the Chagas parasite can have anywhere from 13 chromosomes up to like 28 or something like that. And it's bizarre that a parasite 
can can exist with such variability in its genetics. And uh, some of them don't seem harmful at all, and others uh, just wreak havoc. People get it; they get the acute phase of of uh, it's, and it's of course it's trypanosoma cruzi, which is very similar to uh, sleeping sickness. So some people get it, and they may get a particular version, and it doesn't affect them ever. You know, they live their entire life with it. And then other people become violent. Some people have almost sleeping sickness-like uh, disease at some point in their life where they're just lethargic all the time as their heart expands and, and they end up with, a, I think it's called hypertrophy, and uh, eventually their heart stops pumping. So um, a lot of the people who end up on um, pacemakers, a lot of them actually have, have found to have Chagas later on. But the problem is, again, the doctors don't want to go anywhere near it. It's just bizarre. Yeah, it makes you wonder why why that's not more explored. Um, you know, I'm sitting here thinking just this this concept of a parasite is a very important topic, like ecologically speaking. Um, you know, this is something I've touched on quite a few times in my show, but there's only three types of relationships in the natural world. There is predator prey. There is what what's called mutualism, uh, commonly referred to as like symbiosis or uh, cooperation, right? And the third, if it's not predation um, or or mutualism, it is parasitism. That's the third type of relationship in the natural world. There are no other forms of of interspecies relationships. If it is not predator prey, mutualistic, it is a parasite. And the nature of parasites, you know, it is a ill evolved parasite that kills its host at least before it can propagate and spread to a new host, right? This is the nature of parasites. That's why people live with parasites because the parasite doesn't want you dead. It wants you to continue to provide a, a comfy, warm environment for it to continue multiplying and spreading and ideally, you know, going to the next host at some point. But my point is um, it doesn't surprise me at all that like people live with these for years and years. And it almost makes you wonder about the nature of our, assumed lifespan if it was not for the influence of these parasites would we not live to be 150 or more you know like there's there's all kinds of i mean biblically biblically there's references to people that were 200 300 years old right yeah yeah uh, i think methuselah was 950 is that correct i i could be wrong he was the oldest person to ever live I think Adam lived to be like 600. That's true. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, the climate, the, the global climate was different back then. So there is actually uh, a theory that there, there was a higher oxygen level back in those days so mm -hmm. that people were actually able to live longer. And that, that was one of the reasons people lived longer was because of the higher oxygen. So I, I don't know. I haven't seen Obviously. anything to support I that, up, but you know, Obviously, none of us here. None of us know we're we're this is all satire. It makes but, sense. But it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder yes. about 
like Rob brought up earlier, ivermectin. Why were they so keen to shit all over ivermectin? No pun intended. No pun intended. Because there's no money to be made off of ivermectin. Well, I think it goes deeper than that. Part of it. I mean, I think that's a big part of it, but something doesn't add up. Why did they merge the uh, neglected, the, uh, so they made it a point to merge the research facility here in Austin, merge the neglected tropical disease research team to the the uh, national COVID, oh, did I say that word? The national COVID um, research. Why? Why did they take them off of that and then merge it? It doesn't. It doesn't make good sense for them to have done that. Uh, they had plenty of people researching COVID. They didn't need to go playing around with neglected tropical disease researchers. It doesn't make. Sense. We're good. We're getting some more problems from your mic, Rob. It sounds like something is just slightly unplugged. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 kind of muffled. All right, let me fix. even worse <laughs> <laughs> so uh a minute ago okay. i was t- talking about uh about eating eating blood and why vampirism is wrong and uh i think that og Dadbod has a story about that oh uh, you're talking about the straw article yeah um I, I didn't dig too deep in that other than you know that's uh, just typical government competency you know uh, resting somebody oh, tell, having a metal straw. Tell the story, though. I mean, it, like the audience hasn't read it yet. Uh, let, so me tell... see, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, I was going to say, did you share it in the chat here? I can probably yeah, get it. Yeah, you're right. Let me. Yep, let me here it is. Here it is. Give me just a second. I'll get it. Man arrested at U.S. airport for carrying titanium vampire straw. Holy shit. This is kind of wild. I'm pulling it up. Um, so this is a straw designed for drinking blood. Uh, I think it's more like uh, one of the, uh, what is it? You know, non-permissive environments, you know, it's a weapon, but it's not a weapon. Um, but I don't, I don't really know much about it. Uh, let's see a 10 inch titanium straw with a beveled end. Uh, so it's referred to as a weapon on the website. What was the, uh, the meme about pipes? Not too long ago, there was a meme about the sound of a, a pipe. Um, anyone? I don't know. Oh, that picture looks like a eighteen gauge syringe needle. Yeah. So they're describing it here. It says the Massachusetts authorities discovered um, the same and subsequently confiscated the weapon from the man's carry on luggage. Uh, says the picture of the vampire straw, which resembles a dagger. They describe it, where'd I see, as a self-defense weapon, which, huh. I don't know, if you're going to stab somebody, why why do you need... I think I'd have like, a screwdriver. Right, like, the fact that it's hollow, it, 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 looks like a, it looks like a medical implement, for sure, though. That looks like the, uh, the, the, the needle portion of a syringe that got taken off. That's what that looks like to me. Go back a little bit. Yeah, so here it is. It says 26 oh, year old passenger was arrested for carrying a self defense titanium weapon known as a vampire straw. Huh. Let's just be honest. I, I He's think... not taking down any plane with that. Well, no. Well, but he, 
he might he might like i don't know shiv the person in 23b and like suck them dry between albany and fucking texarkana or whatever you know like what dude the fuck you know have you you heard that story about the greyhound where the guy uh he beheads the guy next to him and like the you know it's not even discovered until the end of the greyhound ride because when you're on a bus it's like eyes eyes forward head down whatever like yeah not always but if you're like in the way back and then you know that just this crazy guy just cut off another guy's head and you know uh i this is one of those things where you know like i deal with tsa all the time i i i fly uh you know sometimes like this past month i've flown like probably about four times um and uh so i'm up in the air a lot and go through these these guys and you know, they, they freak out about the quarters in my backpack. I keep quarters because, you know, whenever I do laundry, I got to have quarters. Right. Um, and they're like, Oh, it's just quarters. Yeah. what do you think it was? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, they're, they're picky about certain things. Um, they're not super thorough. Um, and I'm glad because it, it, it could sometimes, it, it would take a good 20 minutes to go through my bag and put it all back in order um just because of all the junk that i carry around but uh in this case i think that maybe the guy probably got profiled i don't know what he looks like but you know if you were looking like you know like you might drink somebody's blood and you've got a straw that helps you do such a thing (laughs) then you know that that's probably why they went for him but if it was you know some yoga hottie that you know is definitely drinking smoothies with that then they might just let her through. So I, I read down through the article and it is, it's describing this thing. It's a 10 inch long, it's a straw. And the idea is it's dual purpose. It's for drinking your smoothie or for self-defense. Um, so that actually does make a certain amount of sense, but what, what kind of freaks me out is the title, the name vampire straw, you know, like if you go to the link, where it shows uh, where they got it from, it's they're calling it the vampire straw. It's a it's 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 a dramatic name. And they're calling it that because it says down at the bottom it says uh, in ten thousand in a hundred thousand years when every trace of humanity will have disappeared, the vampire straw will remain unaffected by corrosion as a testament to the ingenuity of human beings possessed to invent contraptions to hurt each other. It's a sensationalist uh, title. Uh, yeah, name. it's an assault yeah. straw. It's, it's an, an assault, assault straw. straw. It's a titanium it straw. <laughs> they picked a inflammatory name to to name High it capacity. so that we get attention. That's why. And you know, if you, if you get it bigger around, then the capacity increases, and be, pretty soon it becomes a WMD. I guess, yeah. right? I mean, anything can be used as a weapon if you're creative yeah. enough. I mean, seriously, this is a this is not a very forward thinking. Um, well, he hey. could have just told him it was <laughs> uh, you know sex toy. You know, he was sounding with it on the plane. Hey, people are into blood. people are into some weird shit. At least though, I, at, at least it's made in the USA. Uh, <laughs> American made, baby. Eighty-five dollars. Eighty-five dollars. I'm yeah. just. I can go buy some some titanium you know tube right now for five bucks and cut you know it in that, an angle and polish it and sell it for eighty-five. I need to start doing this. That, you know what Good that Lord. makes me think? A fool, and his, a fool and his money are soon parted. Yeah. Well, you could also use that straw to do fecal uh, exchanges. And <laughs> there you go. Parasites. Amen. And maybe, parasites out. 
maybe the TSA would allow it then because <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it helps the gay agenda, right? Yeah. Well, it would be, it would be homophobic not to. So. Oh, right. It's not, right. it's not gay if it's the TSA though. <laughs> hey, I like that. <laughs> hey, how else do you Oh, no. I got else, whacked how, off in the TSA like, the other day. He was whacking me off with his rubber glove in the back of his hand. It was weird, like back hand job. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, okay, there's, yeah. I'm like, there's, there's just a dick in there, man. Like, and he's just, <laughs> just going at it. I'm like, are you trying to give me a boner? I mean, like, <laughs> I don't want one, but. You know, you rub the lamp, you get the genie. That's how it works. How else right. do you get paid forty five k a year plus a government pension to molest people? I mean, <laughs> seems oh like God. a sweet, seems like a sweet gig, <laughs> you know. Oh, God. yeah, it was it was weird, but yeah, the, I I deal with TSA quite a lot, and um, that one, uh, yeah, that one was creepy. Or well, that's creepy. probably why I will never fly on an airplane. I yeah. don't want to deal with that. So just don't go. If I can't drive yeah, I there, mean, I'm just not going. <laughs> you can sense to molestation by I was getting an airline ticket. You know, Fido, I was expressing the exact same sent sentiment last night to Ando over a couple of beers. I told him, I said, you know, I, I know that I can fly to Childerberg so much cheaper and more easily, and I don't have to drive my big gas hog of a pickup truck but I really don't like to be without wheels, you know, yeah. I really don't. So I, but I ended up buying a goddamn plane ticket today. So, and you're going to get a hand job out of it. So free hand job. Yeah. $300 for the flight and a, and a, a complimentary hand job. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> well, any, any more, any more thoughts here? I, you know, I'm thinking I've got another topic for us potentially. Um, Let's jam on. <laughs> all right. So I wanted to talk about like property rights. Okay. Um, in a sense, you know, today I read something that I, I don't know that I'd ever like heard it expressed this way, but that all rights are based on property rights. Y'all ever heard this kind of sen sentiment? Yeah, yep. of yep. course. It all extends. Yeah. So, um, with that said, I found this, this interview to be really, really interesting. Um, just a moment. This is, this is probably the reason why, uh, Don Lemon got fired. This interview here. All right. I'm almost there. Now it's, I might skip around a little bit. It's kind of long, but. There's some really, really interesting moments here. Can you see it? Is it up? Yeah, I, yeah. I see the screen. I don't hear anything. Okay. <laughs> hear what Don Lemon's butts air parasites have to say. Can you hear? So we are happy to have you on. I'm going to talk to you more than just about Fox News, but good morning to you. Thank morning. you for joining us. I assume you all can hear it. Yes, yes, we can hear it. It's cool. Raman Shwarma. <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. That's a hell of a name. Yeah. But um, actually, I think this guy seems kind of smart. You know, I, I guess I'll say here at this point, I just think Don Lemon really shows how fucking stupid he is throughout this interview. He he doesn't hear anything that this, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy guy is saying. 
And also, supposedly, this this guy's running for president. So there's that. What do you make of this uh, decision to settle this case? I mean, it seems strikes me as a cost of doing business. If you're going to be a news network, I think it's happened to CNN. I think it's happened to a lot of news networks. That has not it's happened a cost to, to doing business. Not happened to CNN. This never been sued for defamation. Never been never not, been actually this, settled. This is the largest. Yeah, it's, it's definitely in large, and, and Fox appears to have the largest viewership and the market capitalization. So I'm not familiar with the details of this case. I'm actually more interested in issues relating to this country than disputes with media companies. But I will say that it strikes me that from but you're, you're, not familiar, honest, you're not familiar with the case. You're not familiar with the lies about the 2020 election, about the election being stolen, that Dominion was somehow, you know, uh, fixing the votes. I mean, that's why they $787.5 million. You're not familiar with that? And you're running for president? The details of a private dispute between a commercial dispute and the details of what the dollar it's figures not private, are, that's, not it's public. Spend, it's not that, private, that's really not where public. I spend my time. But, but what I will say is, look, there's defamation cases. People settle businesses. If you settle business disputes, Fox settled this one. It's actually not, I think, the pressing issue for the nation of what Fox News' settlement well, I, is. I disagree with, with that. A... All right. I only play this beginning part to kind of establish like what what Don Lemon's um, demeanor was like from the start of this interview. He's like, he's being Super intentionally in, intentionally confrontational, like mm-hmm. from the very, very, very beginning. But they get into talking about race and the Second Amendment here. And it's this is where the good stuff is. Um, let's see. Um, I wonder what you would do specifically to actually bring us together, not just Republicans and Democrats. What does unity look like to you, Vivek, for rich and poor, for rural and urban, for Republicans and Democrats? That is the right question to be asking. And I think the main divide in this country, and I say this to conservative audiences equally, is not between Republicans and Democrats. It is between those of us who are pro-American, embracing the ideals that set this country into motion, and I think an increasing strain in this country that is anti-American, that wishes to apologize for a nation founded on those ideals. But that's not a 50-50 split. I think most people are in the pro-American camp. And Mm -hmm. Poppy, I think one of the ways they would say we get to national unity, some people think, is by showing up in the middle and compromising. I respect that view, but I reject it. You reject compromise. I reject compromising on our principles. I think the right way to get to national unity, and I mean this, to unite this country, is by embracing actually the radicalism of the American ideals themselves. We celebrate our diversity and differences. I'm glad we have some three different shades of melanin on this set right now, (laughs) two different genders. That's fine. But what I say is, so what? That diversity is meaningless unless there's something greater that binds us together, that unites us across that diversity. And I'm running for president to revive those ideals that bind us together across our diverse attributes. I want to get into a few issues, one of them being China. Before I get to China, I I just um, want to better understand something you said this week speaking uh, before the audience at the NRA. Here's what you said, um, referring to back to 1865. Here it was. I want you to raise your hand if you know when the first anti-gun laws were passed in this country. Raise your hand if you do. 1865. You want to know when it happened? We fought a civil war in this country to give black Americans the equal protection under the law that we failed to secure them in 1776. But then you want to know what happened? Southern states passed anti-gun laws that stopped black people from owning guns. The Democrat Party then, as in now, wanted to put them back in chains. 
then as in now, that's quite an accusation about the current Democratic Party. Who and what were you referring to? I was referring to Joe Biden and his expression of wanting to put them back in chains, dating back to Lyndon Johnson. I think Lyndon Johnson's so-called Great Society was one of the greatest misnomers in American political history, where even back then in the 1960s, 70 percent plus of black kids were born into two parent homes. Today, that number is less than 30 percent in the opposite direction. I'm going to pause just for a second. Like this is kind of a long clip, longer than I would typically want to share. But so much of this feels abundantly relevant to me um, that I just wanted to kind of like give it in its raw form. I hope nobody objects Um, while it's paused. Like any thoughts so far? Ronald Reagan made uh, basically he ended up getting another term, if I recall, uh, as the governor of California by starting a lot of these gun anti-gun laws. And they were based on the fact that the Black Panthers of the time had decided that they were going to police their own neighborhood. Don Lemon missed that that day in history class. Of course he did. Yeah. But the uh, also Democrats have done that, too. Um, they were using, if I recall, for gun ownership at one point, they were using a, a mental viability test, et cetera. And now this is exactly the same route they're going for gun confiscation all across the country. As a matter of fact, just recently, if I recall, the Supreme Court had to basically tell Illinois, you just can't ban guns. This outright, this basically constitutes an outright ban and you can't do that. So if I recall, there's been a stay on them um, enacting their gun ban that they just passed recently. Yeah. You know, I I would have gotten pissed watching this this clip if I just if I cared even a little bit about like what CNN has to say. But like this this whole exchange is is really frustrating. It actually reminds me a a lot of a conversation I had just a couple few days ago. Um, And I won't share any details, except that it was a very frustrating conversation where as much as I tried to be clear and um, express a a point that I think is relatively easy to understand, like the words that came out of my mouth were immediately twisted and misrepresented and misinterpreted and then spat back at me in a way that I almost couldn't even respond to. So I'm actually, I'm very impressed with this Vivek guy because he is very uh, composed throughout this. And the further it goes, the more Don Lemon just like, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. And the interesting thing to note is that you can almost, you can tell at a certain point, the producers are in Don Lemon's ears and telling him like, hey, back off, chill out, like shut up. And he And he like basically says out loud, I can't complete a thought with you people in my ears. And he like disregards the producers and guess what? A couple days later, he's fired. Um, You know, it just part of this feels like poetic justice, like a a radical leftist newscaster, you know, propagandist getting fired for being too rough on a Republican presidential candidate. It's very, very. Yeah, go ahead. The best part is that that he got fired the same 
day that Tucker got fired. Right. And all That's the attention right. yeah. was on Tucker. And yeah. so, like, yeah. nobody cares that, oh, and Don Lemon got fired. It was just, it, it was just such a side note. And uh, and I think that that's great just because Don Lemon has made almost a career of shitting on Tucker. And, you know, without Tucker, it's, it, you know, where are we going to get our talking points from now? I mean, we have to find another another Russian bot in order to, to get our talking points now, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of, you know, I almost feel like Don Lemon was fired for all the right reasons. You know, and maybe Tucker was fired for all the wrong reasons, even though I'm not like a huge fan of Tucker. Like, you know, I think he was essentially fired just for not going with the program. Um, I guess similar to Don Lemon here, but I don't know, whatever. I, I probably should stop trying to draw connections if, you know, but it's interesting. There was a whole lot of media shakeup going on. There was it's, only you know, one thing I could think of the entire time. I kept seeing the repeated reports of Tucker Carlson getting fired from Fox News. Every time I saw a story, I saw a headline regarding it, I was like, oh, it just kept repeating in my head. And it was that line from Star Wars where he says, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could ever imagine. And guess mm. what? He went on Twitter and he's got more followers on Twitter than he had ever had at Fox News. And it's only going to, they've turned him into a martyr. And so now he's going to be this golden child. And it's like, everybody has completely forgotten the propaganda bullshit that he's been spewing this entire time, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that he's not wrong about a lot of things, but he was propagandizing a lot of stuff while he was at Fox news. And people don't seem to remember that at all. And Don Lemon is just a petulant child. And he just showed his true colors on this one particular episode. And I think this is the one where he, um, he pretty much just shut down the, the end of the conversation and wouldn't even let him speak after he had asked him a question. I did catch that once before. So I didn't realize this was the same uh, yeah, interview, it, but it looks like it is. It is. I'm sure it is. Um, it goes on for a little bit. Uh, like I said, it's kind of long, but that's, that's why I wanted to break it up here. Rob, did you have something to, something to add there? Oh, the other thing that I find is really interesting about this exchange is um, they can't say it's just, uh, white man stuff. Unfortunately, this guy is Indian. So, how do they, you know what I mean? I, I think that's oh. one reason why they might have been trying to reel Don Lemon back is because this guy is one of the model minorities that the uh, that the mainstream leftists need to keep in the voting booth for them. Yeah. No, you'll see exactly how that plays out. Because Don Lemon does pull the race card, even though like he's surrounded by other minority folk. Oh, that's know? great! That's he so stupid, it, and it's so, he sounds so dumb. Uh, that probably is what really did it. Is because yeah. then he tried to play the race card when he backed himself into a corner like an idiot, yes. and to get out of the mud, you know, he basically threw a wet noodle. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, OG, you got anything to add? We haven't heard from you in a minute. Uh, I was going to say, uh, he's very well-spoken. The only things I've heard from him have been little 20-second, you know, clips on uh, social media. But uh, I, I don't think he can be president with that uh, five head he's got. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you could land a fucking plane on that. I mean, you and could. the Air Force, the last name. Right through his head. 
Ramen Shorma is just it's not a presidential name and uh and you know I could see I could see this working in in England because they you know they they put their they installed their Indian prime minister but I I don't see it working in the United States the same way His name sounds like <laughs> an airbase in Germany <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, he's definitely fighting an uphill battle, but I, I genuinely am impressed with this guy's composure and his coherent, like he, he really does a good job kind of holding his shit together throughout this. So I'm going to play it on here. The very policies that we implemented in this country in the name of helping black Americans have actually been disastrous for black Americans and all Americans. And I think so, that that's something that we need to wake up to. In 1865, you were talking about the black codes, right? That's right. Passed, enacted to make it a crime for a black person to carry a gun exactly. in the South. But you're equating that to the current president? You're referring to economic chains? What are you saying? Well, I, I was referring to Joe Biden's, I think, ill-chosen expression to say they're the party that wants to put you back into chains. What I'm actually saying is that if you look at the policies you of the modern Democratic Party. Democrats. Absolutely. So. What I'm saying is that actually it's policies like that of Lyndon Johnson and Joe Biden that are actually holding black Lyndon Americans Johnson's back. Lyndon Johnson's the war on poverty? Yes, and in particular, his great society where he actually created incentives in the family, where if you're a family, you could actually get more money by not having the father in the home. What, Guess what you get? Of, you get what you pay for. Of, what, I think it's been really bad for the black community. I think it's really bad for all Americans. What, do you have anything on this before I move on I, to China? I don't see what one has to do with the other, but... Go on. I took up a lot of time with Fox. Oh, it's fine. We have time. I, I, don't, I don't really see what one has to do with the other, especially consider and using the Civil War to talk. All right. I, I'm pausing real quick to say um, there was an interesting moment there. I think that for whatever reason, Don Lemon's ego is having like an existential crisis right now. He's like, hurt. I think I think he was embarrassed because he felt like he burnt a lot of time on the Fox News thing. You know, when you know, I skipped over most of it, um, maybe I shouldn't have, but this is like a 12 minute clip. We just I don't want to watch all 12 minutes, but he he felt like he burned up a lot of time. And then he says this thing where he goes, you know, well, I have an I, I have a comment, but I don't want to burn up any more time. And she you could see her. She reaches over and puts her hand on his and says, it's OK. We've got plenty of time, you know, and uh it's just an interesting moment. I'm going to go back like 30 seconds so we can watch it again. Uh, maybe I'm overanalyzing, but I caught it too. Yeah. Before I move on I, to China, I don't see what the one has to do. What, Guess what you get? Of, you get what you pay of, for. What, I think it's been really bad for the black community. I think it's really bad for all Americans. What do you have anything on this before I move on I, to China? I don't see what the one has to do with the other, but go on. I took up a lot of time with Fox. Oh, it's fine. Before. We have time. I, I, don't, I don't really see what one has to do with the other, especially consider and using the civil war. To talk about black america did you hear how his tonation changed he went from like whispering to speaking with intention almost like that little pat on the arm was like okay okay let's go we've got it we're still the bad boy like we're still the the badass in town you know like he was he, he kind of had his tail tucked between his legs and then he 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 bristles back up again i think what we're looking at is a very immature individual a very cowardly, self-conscious individual. Mentally ill. Mm. I mean, that kind of goes along with that agenda, unfortunately. That behavior no. from her is also what you would 
used to um, uh, curb a petulant child. Console a child. Yeah. Console a child. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what you would do. That's yeah, weird. It's okay. It's okay. Express yourself. <laughs> Express That's yourself. Really Use your words. Use your words. Use your words. All right. Here oh. we go. Let's keep going. Americans, that war was not fought for black people to have guns. That's 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 not that war was fought for black people to have freedoms in this country. Yeah. Actually, that's why the civil war was fought. Okay. And the sad that part was about it fought for, for black people to have guns. I think actually, you know, a funny fact is black people did not get to enjoy the other freedoms until their Second Amendment rights were secured. And I think that that's black, one of the lessons. People- Very fucking good point. That we aren't allowed to enjoy the freedoms. I disagree with you country. on that, Don. I disagree with you. And I think you're doing a disservice well, to our country okay. by failing to recognize when the you, fact that we have you equality are black the law. Skin and you live in this country, then you can disagree with me. But we're not. You mentioned it. Did you hear that? When you have black skin and you live in this country, you can disagree with me. Uh, you know what? Well, no. it's, hard, it's hard when people pull stuff like that to not just jump up and hit them with a chair. <laughs> Seriously. Especially considering this dude is Indian and they lived under, you know, colonial oppression as much as anybody else. Yeah. He's got no right. He's got no right. And as a matter of fact, uh, Ramaswamy should have called him on it right then and get there and said, you have no right. You don't know my background. Mm-hmm. My skin is almost as dark as yours. How about you yeah. shut your mouth and get back? to I, I actually think Ramaswamy's skin is darker than Don Lemon's. If I'm being objective, I mean... Don I Lemon is not the darkest dark skin, you know, like yeah, he's not, not that he's it pretty, fucking not that it fucking he's matters. Creamy. He's pretty creamy. Yeah, yeah. Do do we really want to go down the rabbit hole with the fact that the Civil War was actually not intended to be fought over the freedom of black people? No, that's it actually wasn't. not why we went was to that, war. Was I mean, it's, it's a it's a is a repercussion. I mean, it was a it was an effect of the war, but it was right. not the actual reason. The big banks wanted cheap cotton and cheap goods from the South. And if they upset the apple cart and let the slaves go, their profit margin would go to nothing. Yep. And maybe we could talk about who actually owned them and uh, why the slave markets were closed on Saturday. Or we could just move on. Uh, Well, how about the fact that that if you got a loan, a planting loan in the South, and you you had white slaves, you hadn't converted over to black slaves yet, they would tell you, we're not giving you this loan until you get rid of your white slaves. You have yeah. to have all black slaves. Because they figured that the black slaves would produce more. That's yeah. a really deep one. I don't know if we can it's, have it. Well, it's that. a rabbit hole, but I think y'all, act, y'all <laughs> yeah. actually did a pretty good job of just hitting the main bullet points of it. Um, so, yeah, probably not a, not a lot of need to expand, but let's let's play this out. You know, I want to get to the kind of punchline of this shit. This is three different John, I think we have to be able to talk about these issues in the open, regardless of the color of our skin. Black Americans today, to say that, compare that to 1865 and 1964, absolutely, I think it's insulting to black people. It's insulting to me as an African-American. I don't want to sit there and argue with you because it's infuriating for you to put that, to put those things together. It's not right. Your telling of history is wrong. Your, what, what, your what part of the history was wrong? The Civil War was fought. You're making people think that the Civil War was fought for black people, only for black people to get guns and for black people to the have... The Civil War was fought for rights. black people in this country to get freedoms, a noble mission. And I think that it, even yes, after, right. even after we succeeded, to, to we had to actually secure those freedoms. It, to reduce it in a speech at the NRA 
to say you're making people think or you're trying to say that black people uh, to get guns, that was that that was the reason that you're there at the NRA. That was the reason for uh, for the Civil War. It I is think a that's fact. reductive. It's not and reductive. I think it's Don. insulting. There are a whole plethora of reasons that I, for look, the Civil with War, with due respect, I find I find your explanation reductive and actually insulting, including to Black Americans, to say that Black people today, compared to 1964, 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was Black part of it. Hold on, that please. Freedom. I cannot keep a thought if you guys are talking to me in my ear. So uh, hang on one second. So to say that that black people say, say what you said again, black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War it is a historical fact, Don. Just study it only after their Second black Amendment rights have, were secured. They were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not you. You are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African-Americans, including the whole reason that the civil rights movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War and, and that things turned around. People would tried to change the freedoms that were supposed and to And you know how they the got it? War they got their Second Amendment rights and they actually got, the NRA played a big role in that. But today, down the final- The NRA did the, not play a big role in that. Absolutely, black Americans how to use firearms. That's a lie, that's at, not. The NRA actually, did not play a big role This is just historical fact, it's but down not the, historical the, fact. The, the part that I just find- because you say it's historical fact. The part that I find insulting Just because you say it's not historical fact. You know, it's like you're doing the exact same shit, Don Lemon. Like, because you say it's not, it isn't. He says it is. You know, you're the shit's it's frustrating to watch. Again, I'm super impressed with this dude's ability to hold his temper, even though maybe he could have been a little bit more uh, direct in you know confronting Don Lemon. What do you, I mean, what do you think? I think if he'd have been more aggressive, it would have been a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. Just given Lemon's uh, inclination already to be aggressive, um, countering that aggressive with more aggression would have just made it worse. Well, and it's kind of like, just give the dude all the rope he needs to hang himself. Yeah. Like let him, let Don Lemon be a moron. Like yeah. he, he looks sound... unhinged talking yeah, yeah. about voices in his head. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. If if, if this was a formal debate, there's no question who won. You know, like right. one one person seems measured and like logical, and the other person seems emotional and un yeah, unhinged fully. You know, I, Don I guess Lemon I'll needs just... to go to a mental health workup. That's what he needs. And maybe yeah. a parasite workup. Because yeah. I'm sure his little <laughs> boyfriend's been putting parasites up his butt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It all comes full circle. Can I talk right, about this real quick? Let's, yeah. Let me go over this real quick. Just one. Uh, let me go over this. Uh, so have you heard about ev how everyone's having a decrease in uh, testosterone, et cetera? Okay. And they think that might be tied somehow to the blossoming of the LGBTQ agenda into the greater society. And also, too, uh, there's a lot of reason to believe that actually low testosterone does not cause violence that actually or higher testosterone doesn't cause violence, that maybe low testosterone is what causes violence. Okay? Mm. Well, mm. it comes out here that they're talking about toxoplasma uh, Gandhi, um, and they're saying that basically it screws up all of your hormones. So again, we have another connection to toxoplasmosis and uh, behavioral issues, and um, also neuroimmunological effects of the parasite's presence. Uh, something to think about. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Don Lemon needs to get a parasite workup. Maybe we should just stuff a bunch of ivermectin in them, and then he won't be 
gay anymore. Maybe he won't be a race baiter either. I don't know. So I, um, I was listening to No Agenda, and they they got a note from somebody who, God, I can't remember the details of this. It, it, I just listened to it a couple hours ago, but in essence, it was somebody that was speaking from the position of of working at a mental health facility and saying that they've been seeing you know these the, the rates of like transgender issues just skyrocket like even just since 2020 right like since Absolutely. the start of the pandemic and and how one of the questions that this person asks when they are screening a new patient is would you say you are a confident person and that without fail, they all say no. And it, what you said earlier, whoever said it, I think it was Rob, maybe it's an issue of too little testosterone, not too much, right? Toxic masculinity, you know, violence. Like it's, it's I think a lot of mental illness boils down to a lack of confidence at its core confidence in yourself confidence in the world around you you know faith if you will faith in god faith in the future if you have none of these things you are absolutely prone to mental illness like confidence is key right isn't that what people say and where does confidence come from structure how you fit yeah, how you fit in society and structure and goals that and are obvious and achievable. Would you say that we have seen a de-evolution de of structure in our society over the last 30 years? Over the last two, we went from you need to go to school, you need to be at work at a certain time, to, oh, do whatever you want. Oh, you have, uh, you know, gender, you have questions about your gender. All of a sudden, teachers and, and society wants to cater to you in some way right? Makes you feel special. A lot of, yeah. I think a lot of the transgender uh, people we're seeing are actually a result of a breakdown in, in achievable goals and structure for sure. Yep. Any thoughts there, dad bod? Oh man, y'all are making me want to go back to college. I'm I'm just kind of like blown away by some of the shit y'all are talking about. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a waste that, of money. You say that we're we're all on an equal footing here. We're just common sense folk. We're common sense folk, and some of us have different backgrounds. But like, dude, like Don Lemon ain't got nothing on us, you know? He's the a best. fucking. The He's vast a, majority of the knowledge that I have, I gained literally in the last three years. Mm. Uh, you know, when when I went through nursing school, they didn't prepare me for any of this. Everything that I know now, I learned literally in the last three to five years. So it's it can be learned. You don't have to go to a university or college and pay somebody else to teach you. You have a functioning brain in your head. You have the ability to read and comprehend what you are reading go online and find just start with a topic that you like and just go from there and just start digging and you will be amazed at the information that you find and ask questions you know people don't want to ask questions anymore and that's where you get your answers that's where you get your understanding 
I would I would make the argument that like a big part of what has changed in the last, you know, since COVID, but like before, you know, as well, like I think a big part of being red pilled, if you will, is realizing that the experts can easily be wrong. You know, they might sound real smart because they use big words, but they're not they're not any smarter than us, man. Like on, on average, you know, there are exceptionally intelligent people, but generally the people on the news and, you know, the Anthony Fauci's of the world, like the career bureaucrats, they don't get to those positions because they're exceptional. In fact, there's, there's what's known as like the mediocrity bias in, in bureaucracies where, you don't get ahead if you are too exceptional because you threaten people because you threaten the 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 status quo if you're too intelligent like the people that get promoted in a bureaucracy are often the least exemplary you know the most mundane the people that ruffle the least feathers the anthony motherfucking fauci's you know they're just really good at following instructions and orders and kissing if, the right asses. If COVID has taught me anything in the last two years, it's that public school is completely useless. And I can, I can homeschool my son while going to work full time. It's possible. If you have the wherewithal, if you have the desire and the, the gumption to do it, you don't have to have public school to do it. And it, it, it's different for everybody. It's not going to look like public school. It's not supposed to. You know, um, I don't have a desk set up just for my son to sit at his desk and go through a textbook and um, and study for eight hours a day. Now, granted, with the math, you kind of have to have some kind of structured uh, curriculum for the math just to be able to build upon what you've learned. But it doesn't look his homeschool does not look anything like public school. And for that, I'm very grateful. But even universities just just about you don't even need anymore because you can, everything is on available online and you can, we still are actually living in a time where you can find dissenting information, disagreeing information and stuff to back that up with. We are rapidly approaching a time where you won't be able to find that information, but we are currently still living in a time where we can. And if you just know, start asking questions and, you know, finding people that know a thing or two, start asking them questions and you'll be amazed at what you learn outside of a university or college setting. I'm, I'm amazed at what I've picked up in the last two years, just, just by listening to people, not even doing any hard research, but just listening to people talk and understanding mm -hmm. and wrapping my head around what they're saying. It can be done. Uh, public school is a complete waste of time. And it's, it's nothing more than glorified babysitting. If you want oh, my opinion. Yet, at best, glorified at indoctrination. Bingo. If it was just babysitting, that would be great. That means they actually give a shit about the kids. But I think we're true. well beyond that now. I think you a know, lot of these teachers don't care and they only care about their agenda, seeing how far they can push things before they get fired or they get called out or what have you. And to, to the flip side of that, as far as homeschooling is concerned, with the technology we have right now, okay, one of the major problems, honestly, with homeschool was that you couldn't keep an eye on the kids. Well, holy cow, we've got cheap cameras you can get anywhere that you can access from your phone. You know, so if I was being homeschooled, Gold right now, my my dad, even though he was a, a single father, could yell at me from halfway around the world. That he's gonna, 
beat my ass rather than just, you know, waiting till he came home, you know. But uh, even now, you know, my niece and nephew, they're in public school. My oldest two kids are in public school because they live with their dad. But um, my niece and nephew will tell us all the time they're in um, uh, second and third grade. And they say that when they go to um, their PE class, they uh, if they get done with their exercises, they're supposed to be able to go outside and play and just have like an extra recess. But she said my niece said that the kids are so badly behaved that they do their PE exercises in in their class. And then they have to sit and wait until the bell rings for them to go to their next class. They can't even go out and play. And they'll they'll brutalize each other. they're, They're teaching these kids to rat on each other. So like if one kid is messing up and the teacher doesn't see it, the kid will be like, oh, teacher, the kid, this so-and-so is doing something, blah, blah, blah. And then the whole class gets punished. And it's, it's, it's more indoctrination in teaching kids how to turn on each other. It's, it's teaching them to be prisoners. It is. Informed. It's, it's, it's not, not it's like there's no longer prison, a pipe prison to, or a, a school, this prison pipeline. It's small prison, the big prison pipeline now. Bingo. It's not recess. It's rec time. It's yeah. rec That's time. Right. And and when you've done your exercise, you sit against the wall and, and, and because we can't trust you not to shiv each other. You know, why do you think fucking kids snap and kill each other for no good reason? No outlet. And let's, know. uh, let's recall that, that all of these kids are full of pharma now. Mm-hmm. And overly processed foods destroying their gut and, biome and covid shots and covid <laughs> shots on top of it god knows what was in that sucker and even if you know what's in one you don't know what's in the next and i don't want to i don't want to set off another rabbit hole but there there is if, yeah. if anybody's willing to look into it when you have some time um i highly recommend it there was a i have to find the link there's a lady that um i think corbett interviewed and she was talking about something called the p20 pipeline and it's basically the um, tracking, tracing, surveillance state for education that they are rolling out for healthcare currently. It's just the education aspect of it, and it's basically basically cradle to uh, career um, public education, where they basically put you into a system, and you're in that system basically from like two weeks of age all the way through, and they have your your educational career planned and plotted out and you have to meet these standards at these particular times and if you don't then we got to re-educate you and and redirect you it's it's quite a fascinating horrifying uh topic to look into because you're like this is exactly what they're doing to public school right now and she's a she was a, a professor at a university i think in tulsa and she came across this and was being asked to be a part of it and uh she i think that's when she took her her uh cue to withdraw from the university system and she's doing her own research and stuff now but p20 pipeline is what it's called you know philo when you when you said i don't want to open another rabbit hole i don't know if we have time i really wanted to reach (laughs) through the screen and touch you on the arm and say we have plenty of time don't worry we want to hear everything that you have to say don lemon (laughs) go ahead and call everybody racist it's fine Okay, if you so, want a three-hour show, then yes, we can go into it. <laughs> we've done three hours in the past. You know, anything's yeah. possible. Anything's possible. We usually no. tend to cut off around two, but it depends on yeah. depends on how we feel. I suppose some things cannot be 
adequately described in sound bites at, at like 30 minute increments. Some things do require an ex a lengthy explanation. And that's why I think Holy. some of these even mainstream, I don't even, some of these more popular um, alternative media types, they just, they, they put everything into a box and we're going to have this much time and we're going to talk about it for this amount of time. And that's it. And it's, it's like, why, it's, it's why cable news is failing. Yeah. That's the inherent True. flaw. That's the inherent flaw in their model. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not able to give enough information. And I was listening to uh, a Christian radio station the other day, and she was talking about some, um, uh, she was talking, the lady was talking to this woman who had just written a book about um, the whole trans agenda and everything and sexual identity. And she was, she was trying to force this massively nuanced topic into a 30 minute segment. And I'm like, you can't you're you're glossing over everything i mean just tell if, if you're gonna spend 30 minutes just tell people to go find the book and read it i mean because at this point you're not even doing this any justice at all because it's just it's a 30 minute little box that you have to put it in kind of like uh reducing the the motives of the american civil war down to a single issue right right because it was so much more nuanced than that just like 9 11 was I mean, yeah there were a lot of fingers in that pie it wasn't mm -hmm. just these now, two these now guys jumped on a plane. You know? That's a damn. That's a damn rabbit hole. That is a right? rabbit hole. <laughs> that's a damn what rabbit was it? hole. Somebody said the other day. I had seen a somebody on Twitter or somewhere said, you know, things are so bad that we have documented proof that the CIA was involved in the Kennedy assassination and 9/11, and nobody cares. Nobody's talking <laughs> about it. Yeah. Speaking speaking of 9/11, um, what 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 is one of the things that y'all notice that uh, that a lot of false flags have in common? Usually, there's going to be an exercise shortly before it, or during. Well, guess what's happening in Houston pretty soon here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and so this is going to be kind of a, a warning, a stay tuned kind of thing, you know, because this could just be nothing. But a lot of times they either happen before and then a month or two later, you know, like like they were doing a shooter drill in Uvalde a few months before the the thing actually happened. Um, and they just had that the the uh, uh, was it Nashville or Memphis with, with the Troon shooter? I think it was Nashville, right? Nashville. Um, Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Two of them there was, there there, was Nashville and then another one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, th those happened. Uh, or that one happened after a uh, a training drill that took place maybe a couple of months before. But, um, okay, here it is. Uh, uh, May 1st, tomorrow, through the 5th in Houston, and I know they said at Energy Stadium and Ellington Field, which is two places I've spent a lot of time in both of those areas. Um, and, yeah, they're they're going to be running around uh, in their their spacesuits and Geiger counters and there will be military, there will be police, there'll be every single crazy agency there is out there. Uh multi-agency is how they put it. But yeah, this is this is from the FBI. And uh they're letting you know that hey it doesn't pose a risk or anything and don't be alarmed by our training and you know if it something happens to to blow then you know uh, it's just all part of the exercise, just as, you know, hey, there was war games on 9-11. Uh, the same day that it actually happened, there was war games that said that, you know, there was there was these going to be planes and there were going to pretend that there's terrorists in them. 
Is that and Able then, Danger? How did it, yeah, Able Danger. Good call. Thanks, Fido. Uh, yeah, they they did this stuff. So be on the lookout. It doesn't mean that anything is going to happen. Um, I, I've freaked out about this stuff before, back whenever um, I was first getting introduced to all of this stuff in the early 2000s. I freaked out because there was going to be another uh, training exercise in Houston and nothing actually happened out of it. But be vigilant and note it because this, uh, you know, if, if something happens in a few days, I want everybody to know that this was part of the exercise, you know? Yeah, I remember when uh, they did uh, Operation Jade Helm. I can't remember exactly where that one was located. Alex Jones was on about that one for quite a bit. Uh, and- yeah, it was, Rob's yeah, got you it on was, that. I forget. I just forget the location in Texas that it was, but it, that one kind of popped into my head too. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that one seemed to go off without a hitch too. So I mean, they're gonna do it when no when nobody's paying attention. So there if was we're paying there was attention. One, you know, maybe they can't get away with it as easily. There was one possible hitch, uh, if I recall, with Jade Helm. trying to remember the timeline but around that same time is when we had the whip explosion incident in Carlsbad if I recall yeah um, which basically uh, we had a bunch of stored material uh, radioactive material that uh, they they hem and haw as to whether or not it might have went critical or not but the bottom line is it reacted it blew up and uh, it sent plumes of radioactivity all over West Texas. And it was about the same time frame. Yeah. So sometimes it's a, sometimes it seems like they'll use it for a distraction for something else. And oddly enough, the person who was supposed to be in charge of the whip and disposal of nuclear waste for the, um, uh, for the national labs was going to be our buddy, uh, Sam Brinton. Mr. <laughs> I'm transgendered and steal women's luggage. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. I yep. dress in and women's clothing these. and dance around in bars. And, yeah. And, and he goes back yes. to uh, butt parasites again. Back and to then the we butt got the butt parasites. parasites. It all <laughs> comes right so, back. So this this whole thing with the military exercise kind of trope, um, I remember like two years ago, this was very shortly after the George Floyd riots. Um, Rob, I know that you're familiar with Bloomington, right? Yeah, Bloomington, Indiana. So there raves there. Yeah, yeah. I used to live there for quite a while, and uh, I was not living there at the time. But June eighth, twenty twenty one, military conducts training exercises in Bloomington Monday night. So at like two a.m., um, they fly in in these fucking attack choppers. And they perform some type of exercise, some some training on the closed strip club. Okay, right here. This is called night moves. All right. Well, that's where I would that's where I'd want to do my maneuvers, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a sign for Meineke, though. Yeah, that's well, a, the, yeah. the Meineke's the Meineke's over off off frame, but this was this was legitimately after the club was closed. It got demolished. They they built a park uh, on that on that ground, but that's you know besides the point. They did this exercise, and I I remember thinking at the time it seemed kind of strange because 
the story was that like nobody in the in the neighborhood like knew and then they claimed that there had been flyers passed out but like nobody actually got a flyer you know so like there was a a picture of a flyer that they you know hey there's going to be a training exercise tomorrow night like just so you know but like i have yet to ever see any confirmation so this this kind of shit happens all the time man like so you're saying they according to that tweet they announced this shit on the 28th so two days ago and the exercise starts tomorrow like that's not a whole lot of lead time it is lead time but it's not much that article right. you just showed was highly automatically suspicious to me because there's a Reddit link embedded in the middle of it. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, hello. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, I want to say, oh, yeah, well, this is the Bloomingtonian, which is not your biggest, you know, I wonder if there's any, like, it didn't get hardly any coverage. That's yeah. the thing. It was super weird. Like, I saw shit on Instagram being like, you know, people I know being like, did y'all hear those helicopters? Holy fuck. Because they came in so low and like drop people in and there was gunfire. And it's like, even if that is an exercise, like it's kind of poor form to just terrify like a whole town. You know, to me at the time, I was kind of in my post uh, riot paranoia. <laughs> I, I could tell you all about that feeling at some point, but you know, after kind of seeing the, the George Floyd shit firsthand, I I was just I was paranoid, you know, skeptical about everything I saw, every headline, and this shit happens like a couple days later down in my previous home, you know, town, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, these motherfuckers are just flexing. That's what I felt. I'm like, they're just flexing, dude. They're just trying to show off. And say we're in charge. Like that to me, that was my gut reaction at the time. So I don't know. That almost that's why we need sounds... rocket launchers. We need yeah. rocket launchers. So if one of those randomly of... got shot, that would shit would stop real quick. It, it also kind of sounds like they were they did it that way intentionally just to trigger something. You know, when you scare a bunch of people, you never know what they're gonna do. So yeah. I, that would be that would have been my first thought. Well, like you know, trying a, to get people to scatter and, and and create more chaos, or a distraction for something else they're doing. Like, for example, um, you know, the, the, they think a lot of people think that the Jade Helm was a distraction, and what they were actually doing was they were moving in uh, Chinese troops in these Chinese these Chinese police stations and villages and that, and uh, because they were sectioning off certain neighborhoods and areas and things like that. So there's a lot of thought that uh, that was how they moved uh, the Chinese soon-to-be occupation forces in the place, right? It was under this uh, under the guise of Jade Helm um, using these WalMarts and that as depots and things like that. Um, and that may be what's going on with the Houston operation, right? There's a good chance that maybe that is a distraction for them to move assets either in or out of a certain area. And then they have an excuse, oh, we're having an exercise, right? They're not going to tell you that they're moving in Chinese troops or Ukrainian troops or God knows what. Um, everybody remembers uh, the little uh, exercise also that went down in uh, Colorado 
And then they got accused shortly thereafter of moving uh, Russian troops in, right, into that base in Colorado. That was maybe, I think, I want to say 2013 or 2012. Um, OG. Wait, wait, wait. OG's got some stuff. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of uh, training exercise fuck-ups, did y'all see the the most recent one that the uh, famous but incompetent feds have done? Uh, this was uh, in Boston here recently, uh, <laughs> where they took the Delta pilot uh, hostage for 45 minutes in the hotel. What? That I didn't hear about. No. Yeah. Uh, so this is Special Operations Command and the FBI Boston. Uh, it says the man was asleep in his room when agents began banging on the door and demanding to be let in. It says the agents handcuffed the man, put him in the shower, interrogated him for more than 45 minutes before they realized their mistake uncuffed him and apologized wrong so, hotel they had the wrong entire wrong hotel not just the wrong room. room the wrong hotel it was Holy probably the, it was probably the right room and the wrong in the wrong hotel right wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was it yeah and they'll but just, hey, the they'll just go trust, on about you know, their business and nothing will ever happen and no one will ever get punished or recommended for uh, not even doing their due diligence. Jesus. There'll be, a, there'll be a settlement probably and it'll go away. Probably. So one of my, Well, go ahead, Ando. Uh, one of my friends the other day was making the point that all these agencies that we complain about, we're always complaining about the, the ones that are uh, visible, you know, the ATF, the IRS, the FBI, the CIA, you know, but the one that you don't see, the NSA is the one that that is the real fucker, the real one that's going to get you because it's the one that sticks all the other agencies on you. Well, the DIA is also another one that I've always heard if you get sideways with them, you might as well just hang it up. You're gone. Yeah. I wasn't looking at the private chat, y'all. I see, uh, I see, Ando shared shared the ad here, uh, or not the ad. I'm sorry, the article. Um, but this one I pulled up here. <laughs> you know, speaking of like just government not giving a fuck about us. Okay, uh, Rob shared this. This is about American citizens being abandoned in Sudan as the country just falls apart in civil war. Um, 16,000, I think it said, American citizens. Yeah. Well, they got to liberate the uh, South Sudanese from the rest of Sudan so that they can liberate the South Sudanese from their resources. That's So, like, the Chinese rescued their people, the Indians rescued their people, Germany rescued their people, but we fucking said, good luck. That is not incompetence. I want to stress That's that. Intention. That That's was intentional. They have every means, they have the means to be able to rescue those people. They intentionally, just like they did with Afghanistan, leaving all that military equipment in Afghanistan, that was intentional. So, like, what's the purpose? I don't understand that. Like, it looks like incompetence. Well, they've authorized troops to go in now. Finally. I think that's only after, though, the French offered, the French just started taking our people out, I think, with what was going on. They made us look bad. The only way to get Bi- the Biden administration to do anything is to make them look bad. Then they step up. Basically. And also there's the uh, emotional manipulation of that whole situation. You know, 
you got uh, Americans that are stuck and then you're like, well, what if it was me? What if I was stuck in Sudan with no way out and, and, and it was chaos everywhere. You know, that, that whole get people confused and frightened and scared. I'll say this: you may not, you may not trust the Republicans, but after what anyone has seen, you really trust the Democrats too now. What are these liberals up to? What are they thinking? Do they not see this? Is, are they just not able to read or comprehend what what's occurring in this administration? I think it's like a it's like a good cop bad cop thing. They're they're playing well, off of each other. There might this even be an, so beyond. an Sorry, agenda yeah. to weaken the military by by taking out just several swaths of it. You know, uh, it, while at the same time, most of our resources are going to uh, war that that our troops are, you know, they're not necessarily on the ground. They are on the ground in some capacity as far as they're wearing the uniforms of that country uh, and not U.S. uniforms. But um you know, I, I don't think it'll be martial law. I think it'll be either an, a, a very likely it's an outside invader wearing the blue helmet of the UN. And that, that's what I think the martial law is going to come from. But well, uh, what do you guys also expect? Also, too, internal. They, there might be, have you heard about the fact that they look like we might be going to war with Mexico here pretty soon? Uh, a war on right, the cartels right. is a war, a war on Mexico. Okay. There is no delineation. There is no separation between the cartels and the government there. So for them to say, well, we're just going to do a war on the cartels. It doesn't work that way, fool. So I'm glad you brought that up, Rob. Um, I kind of I kind of went on a bit of a dive this afternoon. I, I want to say right now, like, I'm very grateful, okay, for all of you that sent links to the Telegram and got the ball rolling for this episode. Like Ando and I talked a bit about the forum and like what we want it to be and what it could be. You know, I will admit right here, I'll be a little bit vulnerable and say like, you know, I've shown up a little too fucked up a couple times. And like, there have been really great episodes and really like, eh, you know, I don't know but I really love the idea of this forum and a little bit of cooperation goes a long fucking way. Okay. So I want to say thank you. Um, but this whole thing with declaring war on the cartel and, and Rob, you shared some, you know, the Sudan thing. And I kind of went deep on like, what the fuck is going on in the middle East? And what the fuck is going on at the Mexico border? Like, wh what the fuck's going on with borders in general? And we like, we don't have one, and Ukraine does. That's that's what's going on. At least for now, because we don't know. The one for Ukraine, when they feel they don't want it anymore, they'll move it around or whatever, you know? Well, okay, so, like, I guess what I'm getting at is that I think what we're seeing is... I mean, no surprise, early stages of like failed states. Okay. And, and if there has been a modern precedent for how this shit shakes out, it's the motherfucking Middle East. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to basically make the argument here that what's happening between essentially Texas, New Mexico, California, and 
Mexico, right? The border states and Mexico is not so dissimilar to what's happening in Sudan, in Iran, Iraq, Saudi, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank. On and on and on. These borders are kind of amorphous. And they always have been. And, and only in, I would say, relatively recent history, like since colonialism, have we drawn straight lines on the map. What used to be nations and territories that were sort of loosely defined are now borders. And I'm not saying one's better or worse, but that's just like what's going on. And I found this this video here. I just found it to be really interesting. I might kind of jump through it. It's well, it's ten minutes long. I mean, I guess we'll we'll probably watch the majority of it. But there's some really interesting shit here. It's just kind of like a timeline, and I found it to be a pretty good illustration, like of how people operate, how how nations nation states operate. I suppose. So here we go. The Middle East is one of the most complex regions in the world. Currently, there are four failing states and three wars, with major oh. powers increasingly taking opposite sides. Countless armed militias and terrorist groups are spreading violence across borders. The region has seen conflict after conflict going back well into the 20th century. But among all the uprisings, civil wars, and insurgencies, two countries always seem to be involved. Saudi Arabia and Iran. They're bitter rivals, and their feud is the key to understanding conflicts in the Middle East. The Saudis and Iranians have never actually declared war on each other. Instead, they fight indirectly by supporting opposing sides in other countries and inciting conflicts. This is known as proxy warfare, and it's had a devastating effect on the region. Countries, especially poor ones, can't function if there are larger countries pulling strings within their borders. Both the Saudis and the Iranians see these civil wars as both tremendous threats and also potentially enormous opportunities. The Saudi-Iranian rivalry has become a fight over influence and the whole region is a battlefield. It's why the rivalry is being called a Cold War. The most famous Cold War was fought for 40 years between the United States and Soviet Union. Looking forward to the day when their flag would fly over the entire world. They never declared war on each other, but clashed in proxy wars around the world. Each side supported dictators, rebel groups, and intervened in civil wars to contain the other. Like the U.S. and Soviet Union, Saudi Arabia and Iran are two powerful rivals. But instead of fighting for world dominance, they're fighting over control of the Middle East. In order to understand the Saudi-Iranian rivalry, let's go back to the origins of each country. In the early 1900s, the Arabian Peninsula was a patchwork of tribes under the control of the Ottoman Empire. After World War I, the empire collapsed, leaving these tribes to fight each other over power. One tribe from the interior, the Al-Sad, eventually conquered most of the peninsula. In 1932, they were recognized as the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Six years later, massive oil reserves were discovered in Saudi Arabia, and in an instant, the Saudi monarchy was rich. That oil money built roads and cities all around the desert country, and it helped forge an alliance with the U.S. On the eastern side of the Persian Gulf, another country was emerging, but having a much harder time. Iran also had massive oil reserves and an even bigger Muslim population, but constant foreign intervention was creating chaos. Since the 18th century, Iran had been invaded by the Russians and the British twice. In 1953, the U.S. secretly staged a coup, 
removing the popular Prime Minister Mohammad Mossadegh. In his place, they propped up a monarch, Reza Shah, who was aggressively reforming Iran into a secular, westernized country. But he harbored corruption and terrorized the population with his secret police, the Sabak. By the 1970s, both Saudi Arabia and Iran had oil-based economies and had governments heavily backed by the U.S. But the feelings among each population were very different. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the Shah of Iran, powerful as he was, simply didn't have the same control over his people or ultimately the same legitimacy and affection that the Saudi people. Okay, pausing quickly. Um, this is Vox. This fellow. Right, right. They will leave out all Israeli and U.S. involvement. In fact, whenever they did the uh, the map of all the countries there, they had Israel just blanked out as if mm-hmm. they're not involved in this stuff at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this guy is former, quote unquote, CIA. Okay. I'm not sharing this video because I think it is a perfect depiction of, of world history. Far from it. I'm actually sharing it mostly because I like the graphics <laughs> and the way it kind of just gives you an idea of, of, of geography of, of, so if you're well, just listening, like, <laughs> by the way, uh, Alex Jones says that, that, uh, Saudi Arabia controls Hollywood. Isn't mm. that weird? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, I, I don't, like I said, I'm not saying this is the, the total and complete honest to God truth. But I, I think this video has some merit in that it, it does a decent job sort of showing the dynamics at play, if you will. But you're right. They, they conveniently leave out Israel. They do bring up us influence to some extent, but Israel is never once mentioned. So there's that. Yeah. It's kind of weird that every country right next door to them, uh, doesn't get along with them very well and is at war with their other neighbors as well. It's like it's like as if everybody's gotten stirred up and, and pointing their finger at the wrong place. I was writing down some little notes, um, mm-hmm. things that kind of popped out to me, and that's exactly what I wrote, no mention of U.S. involvement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oddly absent, yes. So, well, yeah. I think I'll play on unless we have any more thoughts. Not at the moment. Okay. People felt toward their monarchy at that point in time. That's because Iran's Muslims felt stifled by the Shah's reformations. And by the end of the decade, they finally fought back. We installed the Shah. It's really in 1979 when Ayatollah Khomeini and the Islamic Revolution overthrow the Shah that the real tension between Iran and Saudi Arabia began. Ayatollah Khomeini was a Muslim clergyman who preached against Western-backed secular monarchies. He advocated for a government that was popular, Islamic, and led by the clergy. And in 1979, he led a revolution to establish just that. It was a massive international event that prompted reactions around the world, especially in Saudi Arabia. The Iranian revolution terrified the government of Saudi Arabia. They were fearful that Ayatollah Khomeini would inspire their populations to rise up against them exactly the way that he had caused the Iranian population to rise up against the Shah. And there was a religious threat too. Up until now, the Saudis had claimed to be the leaders of the Muslim world, largely because Islam's two holiest sites, Mecca and Medina, are in Saudi Arabia. But Khomeini claimed his popular revolution made Iran the legitimate Muslim state, 
And there is another divide. Saudi Arabia's population is mostly Sunni, the majority sect of Islam, while Khomeini and Iran are mostly Shia. Westerners always make a mistake in drawing an analogy between the Sunni-Shia split and the Protestant-Catholic split within Christianity. The Sunni-Shia split was never as violent. That in much of the Islamic world, when Sunnis and Shia were living in close proximity, they got along famously well. So while the Sunni-Shia split was not a reason for the rivalry, it was an important division. After the revolution, the Saudis' fears came to life when Iran began exporting its revolution. This CIA report from 1980 details how the Iranians started helping groups, mostly Shia, trying to overthrow governments in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia. All right. <laughs> I feel like we need to chop this up because it's it's a lot all at once, and I'm sure Ando and maybe a few others have some have some input. <laughs> um, I mean, what do we what are we thinking so far here? To me, if these are real CIA documents, it's kind of funny how they're not like redacted as fuck, first of all. But they might not care anymore. That might be why we see them out in the open with it at this point. Hmm. Can't do anything about it now, you know. They're very, um, very yeah. forthcoming with things that they want you to think and what they want you to to know. So they they won't they'll leave a lot of redactions out. And uh, you know, it looks like there's no redactions here in order yeah. to get you to uh, to believe a certain narrative. If there's no redactions, you should definitely question that narrative at that point. Well, so they're admitting to basically backing the what the Shia militias, um, yeah. whatever you know. Okay, I guess again, I'm I'm trying to. This is not meant to be like we need to understand the Middle East conflict. You know, this is meant to show that essentially, like these these conflicts between nation states and like failing states, and the um, the rise of 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 tribal war in the wake of a fallen state. This is something we need to pay attention to. Like it, it's going to get, it's going to get to like Iraq here in a little bit. And I just find it, I don't know. You know, I, I think it's a little bit fortuitous. Like it just, it feels like what's happening with the Mexican cartels and the Southern border of the United States. To me, there's a similarity you know what's interesting about this too is that uh, the, the reason that the United States is so powerful is because of their alliance with Saudi Arabia. Um, and 17 of the 19 hijackers, uh, and probably including the two that were CIA, um, that we know for a fact were CIA now, by the way, um, 17 of the 19 were Saudi Arabian. Um, yet nothing happened to Saudi Arabia. In fact, we went and fought some wars mm -hmm. for Saudi Arabia. But there's an alliance between the United States and uh, and Saudi Arabia, and that's why there's a petrol dollar. And now that that's going away, I wonder what kind of of conflicts. Because it it, it it's my understanding, and uh, somebody please correct me if I'm wrong on this, that they're accepting still accepting U.S. dollars for the petrol dollar, right? They're still accepting them, but they're also accepting the Chinese yuan, right? Yes, they've just included okay. it. They have they have not okay. included the U.S. dollar as of yet. They they talk like they have, but when you actually look into it, you go, "Wait, why are they saying this?" So, uh, you know, and I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a balkanization. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I think 
that effectively is what this the idea behind these 15 minute cities is. I think it's a hyper balkanization. And again, as we talked about how they're training the children in school right now to snitch on each other, you break up everybody in these smaller tribes and then you can just set them against each other at will because they'll be so impoverished, so needy that anything will set them off, you know? And speaking of those 15 minute cities and you were talking about how they're dividing them, uh, there's going to be Trump branded freedom cities that are basically 15 minute cities for people that wear red hats. Yeah. Yeah. And have, right. and have free, free uh, Trump bottled water. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's fabulous. <laughs> it's, it's the best bottled water. Uh, yeah. it, so, what it, what it, what it makes me think of is, um, you know, the rise of nation states, like the, or, or should I say the return to, or I'm sorry, not nation states, city states, city Hyper states. feudalism, hyper feudalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it I mean, reminds I, me of, if you've seen that one series called, uh, the Badlands, it'll be very similar to that is what basically you want to do to us. Or if you, you know, if anyone's seen uh, the hunger games, right. Mm-hmm. And those leaders were called I, barons. That's right. They were barons. <laughs> right. Yes, they were. I, I'm okay with uh, with city states if that means that you know, like cities like Las Vegas and Chicago become their own state and leave the rest of their state alone. But mm. uh, that's not how city states work, unfortunately. No, and typically there's there's uh, how do you say like a like an inherent um, need to rape and pillage and plunder other people's resources to maintain the city state. So that is, that's the inherent typically in, in human history, since the rise of like agriculture, agricultural based civilization, there has been this, this struggle between the, the city state population versus the hill folk, the country folk, the, you know, the wildlings, right? I mean, that's that's kind of. I think this pattern repeats throughout human history. The rise of the nation, the the, the state, whether it be city state, nation state, whatever, um, and the eventual demise and the the redistribution of power back to the the country folk, so to speak, the militiamen. So I think I'll play this on. And they prompted the Saudis to redouble their efforts to fight against Iran. They bolstered their alliance with the U.S. and formed the GCC, an alliance with other Gulf monarchies. The stage was set for conflict. On September the 22nd, Iraqi planes attacked Merabad airport outside Tehran. Iraq was gambling on a short, sharp campaign. The rise of Iran as a regional power threatened other neighboring countries as well. In September 1980, Iraq, under the rule of dictator Saddam Hussein, invaded Iran. He was hoping to stop the Iranian revolution, gain power, and annex some of Iran's oil reserves. But they didn't get far. The war bogged down into a stalemate, complete with trench warfare, chemical weapons, and heavy civilian casualties. I just want to say, that Saddam Hussein was a real handsome fellow, wasn't he? <laughs> real quick, too, they, they mentioned the chemical weapons, and uh, the chemical weapons were given to Iraq by the United States back then in order to fight this war and these are the same chemical weapons that they were that they were going for in order to justify their war with iraq mm-hmm. so uh so yeah re- remember that y'all remember these things <laughs> there's a lot of uh 
left, you know, a lot of context left out of this video, no doubt. I knew this was the right, I didn't know that I would bring this one up, but this is a very interesting one to dissect. When Iran started winning, the Saudis panicked and came to Iraq's rescue. They provided money, weapons, and logistical help. And so it becomes critical for the Saudis that they build up Iraq and build it up into a wall that can hold back the Iranian torrent that they have unleashed. The Saudi help allowed Iraq to fight until 1988. By then, nearly a million people had died. The Iranians largely blamed the Saudis for the war, and the feud escalated. Fast forward 15 years, and Iraq again became the scene of a proxy war. In 2003, the U.S. invaded Iraq and overthrew Saddam Hussein. Neither Saudi Arabia or Iran wanted this to happen, since Iraq had been acting as a buffer between them. But problems arose when the U.S. struggled to replace Saddam. The United States has no idea what it's doing in Iraq after 2003, and it makes one mistake after another that creates a security vacuum and a failed state and drives Iraq into all-out civil war. Without a government, armed militias took control of Iraq, splintering the population. Sunni and Shia militias suddenly sprang up all over the country. Many were radical Islamist groups who saw an opportunity to gain power amidst the chaos. These militias were ready-made proxies for Saudi Arabia and Iran, and they both seized the opportunity to try and gain power. The Saudis started sending money and weapons to the Sunni militias and Iran the Shia. Iraq was suddenly a proxy war with Saudi Arabia and Iran supporting opposing sides. That trend continued into the Arab Spring, a series of anti-monarchy, pro-democracy protests that swept through the Middle East in 2011. And this had very different consequences for Saudi Arabia and Iran. That is terrifying to the Saudis, who are the ultimate status quo power. They want the region stable, and they don't want anybody rising up and overthrowing a sclerotic, autocratic government for fear that it might inspire their own people to do the same. The Iranians are the ultimate anti-status quo power. They have been trying for decades to overturn the regional order. Each country threw their weight behind different groups all over the Middle East. Just like in Iraq, the Saudis began supporting Sunni groups and governments, while Iran helped Shia groups rise up against them. For example, in Tunisia, the Saudis backed a dictator while the Iranians stoked protests. In Bahrain, Iran supported Shia leaders seeking to overthrow the government. Saudi Arabia, in turn, sent troops to help quash the unrest. Both got involved in Libya, Lebanon, and Morocco as well. As Saudi Arabia and Iran put more and more pressure on these countries, they began to collapse. Now the feud has gone a step further, with both countries deploying their own militaries. In Yemen, the Saudi military is on the ground helping the central government. They are fighting the rebels called the Houthis, who are an Iranian proxy group. And the reverse is happening in Syria. The Iranian military is fighting side by side with militias, some of them extremist groups like Hezbollah, in support of dictator Bashar al-Assad. They are fighting rebel Sunni groups who are Saudi proxies. The more civil wars that broke out in the Middle East, the more Saudi Arabia and Iran became involved. Neither the government of Saudi Arabia nor the government of Iran are looking for a fight. But the problem is that these civil wars create circumstances that no one could have predicted. Both. How do we feel about that statement? Bullshit. Yeah, that one kind of stuck out to me when I watched this the first time. It Nobody like could have. Nobody could have like, predicted it. Sounds like Condoleezza Rice. Nobody knew that this was going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, meanwhile, you know, Israel and Palestine do not exist. 
Let's not let's not go there. That rabbit hole is far too deep. <laughs> See, I I honestly like I feel like a total dummy when it comes to this stuff. Like I just don't quite get it, except that it really just all like boils down to people people been killing each other for a long time for all kinds of reasons. And I don't know if you can make a lot of sense of it, but maybe that's a naive point of view. Like I feel like feel like ando might have some some light to shine as far as like the motives at play here because i don't know man i don't know but you you seem to have been more <laughs> like... most most wars tend to be resource driven i i think that they they think that the excuse that, and it seems very like cartoonish to me is that that the uh, holy cities are owned by Saudi Arabia, and maybe that they're they're keeping the Iranians off of it. But um, but yeah, Ar- Iran and Israel have, have been at this big conflict, and it, it, it's like the, every single time that something's happening in the news, uh, every single Zionist puppet that's in uh, in office says we're going to go to war with Iran. They always say it. They've been saying this for over uh, over 20 years um, uh, since the uh, 9-11, but they were saying it even in that 30 years, or uh, I guess 21 years leading up to it, uh, ever since this whole thing popped off. The United States still has only done proxy activity with, uh, with Iran. And I don't think the United States really wants to get involved um, because it's a mess. And it's pretty obvious that it's a mess and that, that there's also just, you know, uh, other powers involved in this situation. Ando, I was going to ask you, do you think that this um, be- this um, conflict between Saudi Arabia and Iran could be anything like what uh, is talked about in the Bible about the war between Gog and Magog? Because I know that people have tried to uh, say Russia was one aspect of that conflict but do you think it could actually be with between saudi arabia and iran i haven't gotten super deep into into decoding that i thought it was really interesting that that uh that bush and bush jr were their skull and boners names were uh were gog and magog i thought that was really interesting but um but yeah, I haven't I, I haven't figured out the code on that yet, and I think that a lot of the the things that as far as uh, geography goes, I think that that whenever Revelation is is talked about, I don't think that a lot of the the regions are exactly the same as they are um, in uh, in ancient Bible times, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, I know it's, and I don't, I don't want to be the person that's just sitting there reading through Revelations, like, oh, yep, that's it, and then, yep, yep, that's it, and then, you know, kind of making that comparison. But you have to, I, I do want people to realize that there are similarities that appear in Revelation that we are actually seeing today, and it may not go necessarily exactly like what it says, and, um, but I think it's worth noting that. Even when like the Egyptian civilization collapsed, it wasn't just one thing that caused them to collapse. It was a whole mess of things that happened simultaneously or consecutively that led to that downfall. And um, I just think that's what we're seeing now. 
it's the same thing. It's a it's a culmination of a bunch of different problems that are going unaddressed and unresolved, or even not even attempted to be solved. You know, this might be an ignorant question, but I'm going to ask it. It seems like a lot of people fighting over a whole lot of sand. If it, if it, well, if it wasn't for the oil, under that sand, I yeah. know exactly, exactly. That's my point. So, like, <sighs> I want to know what's underneath the Sahara Desert. Well, I understand that this is kind of this is, I guess, what I'm trying to get at. Is there anything more significant to this region of the world other than oil? And controlling the narrative of human existence and human origin. Mm. Mm. I think that's the biggest one. I and I think they have an obsession with that, and it's not it doesn't necessarily have to be logical from our point of view, but to them it's a big deal. And I think it's an extension on uh, you know what we've seen with these uh, secret societies and or Hitler, you know, with the fascination with relics and artifacts, because if you look at the behavior of Israel. Um, recently, you know, they're talking about the red calf again and all these prophecies and uh, supposedly they're finding all these new artifacts that you know, validate a lot of the Bible. And um, as everyone knows, uh, all, all the stories in the Bible are all centered in and around mostly the Middle East. So um, I don't think it's just the oil. Um, and also, too, I don't know if any of you heard about this, but I've not been able to find another article about it. But um, has anyone heard about the link between uh, there's something in the Bible? Uh, it's like a demonic possession that's actually a black goo. And recently, I guess uh, some scientists actually made a sentient black goo. And oh uh, yeah, did you hear about the, that? Yeah, I've seen the the it's it's a it moves and stuff. They say that yeah. they want to use it to. Uh, to like climb down people's windpipes and pull things out yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, that that is really weird. Uh, but you were you were talking about the uh, the human origin in Mesopotamia and and the the beginning of civilization. And uh, I, I just heard somebody make this point um, that the very first city was was Cain City. Cain uh, Cain was the you know the very first person to make cities. So that's that's really interesting when you know his origin, obviously, right? Now, um, the other thing, um, well, and and also that Cain was the gardener, and so you you have to be in a stable place to be a gardener, right? So yeah. there is that, yeah. So. And you need enslavement. I mean, back then you needed massive amounts of human resources to be able to keep a city going because if you're going to go agricultural, it does take a lot of work. So the, there's a story um, y'all you may have heard about the uh, giant in Kandahar, Afghanistan. Yeah, that they they came up on a giant and uh, and took it to Iraq. Afterwards, they took it to a, a base in Iraq after um, skeletal skeletal remains. Or? No, no, no. It was a living giant. They they yeah. when, uh, when? They, How, this is uh, look up the articles on it. There's so many. Two thousand three um, or two thousand four, yeah. I think. Yeah, they they shot it for a very long time before it finally went down. They were just kept shooting and shooting and shooting until finally they took this giant down 
and then they flew it off to uh, one of the U.S. bases in Iraq. Now, uh, the other thing is that, you know, the, the ancient civilizations were where you would find a lot of this Nephilim stuff. And uh, and there is um, an email uh, in Hillary Clinton's emails that is about getting the remains of Gilgamesh, who a lot of people think is also Nimrod. And uh, Nimrod was this terrible dictator. Uh, yeah. And he was he was the one that built the Tower of Babel. So, you know, it, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, you'll find so many articles on this because so many people saw it and it was it was bizarre. But he's got gray skin, six fingers, red hair. Um, a lot of correlations between instance. that and other. Yeah, not the first yep. people have seen him from a distance up on uh, walking mountain ridges and things like that. So, so what we're talking about is a possibly modern uh, Goliath. Yeah. And so the Smithsonian covers up giant bones all the time. This every single time a giant is discovered, you can um, there was there's newspaper articles from a long time ago where they would find remains of a giant and then the Smithsonian would just go in and clear out that information. It would get uh get hidden um i guess that's that's like their thing that they have to hide that because that that's really important to them for some reason um but i think it has a lot to do with uh with they're trying to extract dna from these bones and uh and resurrect the nephilim well they cover the smithsonian covers up a lot of things but definitely they cover up um the giants for sure god man it's like when people find things and they like report it to like the government or whatever. It's like, why are you telling them? They're just going to hide it. It's just like, don't tell the Smithsonian that you found something because they're going to throw it in the, in the memory hole and you're never going to see it again. Or like the guy who found all that treasure in the FBI. Yeah. It's like, dude, why? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> if I won, what? if I found a, a treasure trove of gold and silver and all kinds of stuff, no one would ever know, but there would be signs. <laughs> one of the big things I think that, that they cover up giants for is because it, it conflicts with their their ideas of, uh, of evolution. And that's one of the things that they really want you to buy as, as the theory of creation. Because they can't handle that God created us and that there are entities that mated with human beings and, uh, and ruled the earth at one time. The, um, there's uh, Robert Sepper. He's an anthropologist who has delved into uh, the study of giants and um, other things and other lies that um, mainstream history and ancient history and anthropology has um, told us over the over our lifetimes. And he did an interview with, or he he covered an interview with um, a guy who used to work at the um, uh, Jekyll Island. And before it's a, cause it's a tourist spot now and you can go in and you can tour the building where, um, the, the federal reserve was, um, the, the plan for the federal reserve was, um, made. And the, um, they said that the building, the main house was built in the center of what used to be a village and it was the center. So the house is just like right smack on top of it. And then there are surrounding houses, um, around the 
the main house, they call them cottages, but they're not cottages. They're like really big houses. But the houses that are there were built on top of structures that were there before. Like they had one that was like maybe like a granary. And then another one was like maybe where they kept their sick people or something like that. So the guy was giving a tour of the inside of the, um, the main house. And they were actually, um, he said that they were actually, they actually found when they were building that house, they were kind of, they're kind of excavating the land a little bit. They found bones of really, really large people on this Island. And they actually um, secured some of those bones and that they're actually still there. And he got to see them and he was just kind of asking all these questions. And he, he showed the guy, uh paintings that were on the walls in the house and some of them depicted um child sacrifice and uh tribal child sacrifice and he was looking at it was an artist rendition and it had been done many 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 years ago and he was looking at the um the altar that was used for this child sacrifice in the image and he was this guy that was doing this tour. He's uh, very familiar with Native American um, traditions and things that they do um, uh, that they used to do back a long time ago. And he was saying that they never none of the tribes in that area that he knew of that he had ever studied uh, participated in child sacrifice. But that was what was being depicted in this painting. And he was trying to find out why they would put that in a painting on this island. And the guy said, you want to see the weapons? He's like, what do you mean? Well, they found weapons when they were um, excavating the, the ground to make the house. And so he showed him the weapons. And these weapons are very, he said they were identical, not similar, not kind of look like. They were identical to weapons that he would see in museums in the Middle East from um, thousands of years ago. And so he was under the impression that somehow people from the Middle East had somehow made their way to the North American continent and had actually settled and brought their practices with them, which did include child sacrifice. And uh, he showed him the room where the, um, where the federal, the federal reserve act was planned out by Aldrich and all of them. And he said that he showed him the room and he said, the altar is still here. It's underneath the floor of this room where underneath this table on this floor where the Federal Reserve Act was um, was planned out and plotted and drawn up. They did it right on top of the altar there where they sacrificed children. Hundreds and hundreds of years before. And it's in his video. I can I can find the link really quick and um, share it. And if you want to include it in your show notes, it's a fascinating. It's I think it's. I think it's 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes long, but it's a very fascinating video. But there were giants on that island too. They were all over the place. You know, I'm having a very similar feeling to my first night at Childerberg last year. Yeah. Where I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> where I'm sitting here thinking, am I surrounded by crazy people or <laughs> or are we all 
the sane ones. I, mean. I am definitely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that shit insane. Okay. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. It's all Let's good. Take a, Let's take all... a step forward. Toxoplasmosis can also cause uh, above average height in, uh, in children that are born of a female who is infected with tox toxoplasmosis. So I find that interesting too, with the worship of cats in the Middle East, right? Oh yeah, and hey, look at Melania. She might have cats or something because uh, Baron is a giant. I mean, the the kid is like seven feet tall. <laughs> I also have a cat, so take that for what it's worth. <laughs> so I I tried to do a quick search about um, like military force against the U.S. or against the Mexican cartels, and like nothing is coming up on YouTube. It's so bizarre. Like, yeah, it's being it's being definitely being uh, put, pushed down in the rankings. They don't want people to toy around with that, but they've already said that uh, there's like two reserve units that have been identified and uh, have been made active to go uh, to the border, and they're already coming up with a strategy. Um, I had said last year or the year before I, I had I have a contact in Border Patrol. He said that their strategy was to try and get a 300, a 300, I'm sorry, yeah, 300 mile buffer uh, into uh, Mexico, establish it, and basically hold it. Wow. Wow. Well, you it know, seems I, like the border is going the other way, though. I mean, yeah, that's really what like that. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say, mean, man. I, I saw something about they say, like, I don't know, whatever it means, like five out of nine sectors of the border are controlled by the cartel that's right so like practically speaking we have lost a majority of the border yeah that's kind of fucking crazy so this is they're why just, I'm saying, uh, like, they're just imaginary lines man it's amorphous you know, they, they, it's, it's amorphous they're, yes they're, they're just the establishment of the state man they don't mean anything well here's another thought have we not already lost or oh my god i'm going to sound so racist here but are we not already invaded i mean come on like we might as well just give new mexico texas and like arizona to mexico cuz they've already got it give them california too fuck it fuck it take it but yeah. New Mexico is already owned and run by the cartels. Uh, Guzman Construction does all the construction or had for many, many years, had all exclusive contracts with the New Mexico government and uh, did all the road construction, et cetera. And that was a huge cash cow for them. Uh, and the Guzman family is still operating openly in New Mexico like nothing's going on. So, hey, what's, that, what's that Guzman name real quick? That, that, that's, a, that's a certain guy, right? El Chapo, thank you. <laughs> you know the the insane thing is though, there there's actually a logical argument for saying like maybe you would rather live in Mexico. Yes, that's happening. There is a lot of people who are finding it's actually safer in Mexico, and the reason why is if you find an area that's well defined uh, by the cartels and there's basically a, an operating truce going on um you actually end up way ahead and i mean even me and my wife have been looking at maybe moving to 
some part of Mexico or Costa Rica or basically somewhere out of the United States, because unfortunately I think we're seeing our freedoms erode and their freedoms are rising and, it, and it's a whole lot cheaper uh, there. You know, you can, you can buy your way out of almost anything in Mexico here. You can't, it's impossible because we have utter psychopaths. People think Mexico is crazy. I'm like, no, you know, what's more crazy is not being able to buy your way out of little nitpicky shit and end up in jail for life right. over, over because you pissed off a judge or something. I mean, that happens the, here. The cartels aren't going to try to give you blood parasites either. No, exactly. They're not about that. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. So there's 30 seconds left of this, of this um, video. I thought I'd play it. And then there's something else that just came up when I searched. It, it was kind of bizarre, but when I searched, um, you know, military force against cartels, a video popped up about intense military buildup in the Arctic. And I don't know why the algorithm spat that at me, but I want to finish this one. Wow. That, that's something they hide too, by the way. It, yeah. It, weird that um, it floated to the surface, right? Yeah. But let's finish this one and then we'll go to that. And, you know, we might have to wrap it up here in a bit. The Iranians and the Saudis feel their vital national interests are threatened, are in jeopardy because of different things going on in these civil wars, things that they blame each other for. Now the Cold War is drawing in other countries. The Saudi government is threatening Qatar, a tiny Gulf state that was developing ties with Iran. Meanwhile, in Syria and Iraq, the terrorist group ISIS is nearing defeat, and both the Saudis and Iranians are angling to take control of that territory. It's a Cold War that's becoming incredibly unpredictable. As the Middle East continues to destabilize, it's hard to say how far these countries will go. Okay, so I only wanted to play that out to, to drive home the point, this whole, like, destabilization. Like, it is not isolated to the Middle East, is it? You know? Looks like we lost Rob. Yeah, he, he just said he had to go. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. No problem at all. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know what this video, I haven't watched this one about the Arctic, but do you all know anything about like why anybody would give a fuck about the Arctic? Well, there's an Arctic treaty and the entire world is all the governments of the world somehow cooperate to, uh, to make that Arctic treaty work. Uh, they can't see eye, eye to eye on anything else, but that for sure they can. There's also a video that I saw not too long ago where a guy was going through this theory that he had and he was explaining how he came to this theory and why he thinks this way. And he was saying that he thinks that the equator was actually um, passed through um, the North Pole at one point and that the equator is actually, it's, it went, the earth went like that. It tilted, degree. it turned. Yeah. Based almost not almost a 90 degree shift that the entire planet shifted and that the, the equator actually used to go, um, North to South. It, yeah. In and essence. so I um, mean, it, it didn't well, North, North and South would have, the, it's all the relative. Old, but. The old equator actually would have passed right over, um, the current north north pole would have yeah. passed right over the pyramids oh. and 
um, the one in um, Cambodia. What's the one? I forget the name of it. The I'll think of it later when I'm asleep in the middle of the night. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then there was another. There was another. Um, Are you talking about the ancient sites? Is that one yeah. Anchor Wat? Is Anchor Wat. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Anchor Wat. Okay. He said it went. It passed right yeah, over. Yeah, goes Anchor through Wat, Machu Picchu. Anchor Wat. It goes through the. A, uh, the and then pyramid. there was a mountain. And then there was a mountain range that actually somehow actually managed to be like the the valley of this mountain range went the equator went right over that and um he said it used to be that way and then about twelve thousand years ago it's the earth shifted and now it's where it is currently and i think there may actually the um the what is actually the north pole was probably uh land that had stuff on it that was there was there was stuff up there and it now it's under ice and now i think they're all trying to figure out what it is and you know trying to gain control of it but that would be my first guess hmm. if i had a bet on it well i'm just curious i think i'm only going to play the first like 30 or so seconds of this get an idea because it's like a really long god it's like really long but Experts say the aim is to directly challenge NATO. The meeting took place in Murmansk. The city in northwestern Russia is located within the Arctic Circle and close to the Finnish border. Russia is reopening 50 Soviet-era military posts. Among them are 13 air bases and 10 radar stations. While China calls itself a near-Arctic state and wants to build a Silk Road on ice, since Russia launched its assault on Ukraine, the Western nations have shunned Moscow. That's an opening which Beijing was looking for to make deeper inroads in the region with the help of President Vladimir Putin. Both countries also plan to hold joint military exercises much to the dislike of the West. Chinese cruisers have been spotted in the Arctic. Besides, Pentagon has been wary of China deploying submarines armed with nuclear missiles under the Arctic ice, forcing the U.S. to beef up its own operations in the region. Clearly, the tug of war between the West on one side and Russia-China on another is only going to intensify in one of the Earth's remotest places. Bureau report, we on World is One. Interesting. Very interesting. The weird thing is this video is 11 hours and 55 minutes long. Like, I guess it's the entire, like, day's news on whatever station this is. But, like, maybe that's got something to do with why it floated to the top of the algorithm. Like, I, that's the weird thing. Like, it was totally unrelated to what I searched. But this came up, and um, for some reason, a little voice in my head said it might be worth looking at. I mean, why bother? And why bother that, up there? That's really weird because this is I, I as far as I understand that that uh that that treaty that the Arctic Treaty is something that nobody ever messes with, that it's all just you know, everybody just kinda holds their space down there and gets along just fine. Like nothing out here is going on. But it this is interesting for sure. And mm -hmm. it could just be part of the uh part of the polarization because they're trying to polarize the world into just, you know, NATO versus BRICS and the, and setting up world war three. That was like, not, not a pun, but it was a pun not intended for sure, but no, 
the fucking, I don't know, man. This shit just makes me think there's a game being played that we're not privy to. Right? Oh, there's there's always been that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what it's all about. I mean, I, I was just, I, I had a very uh, NPC kind of uh, driver today, and I was telling him all about, you know, things that happened in history that he seems to have forgotten and that, you know, or maybe not forgotten, but maybe never learned. He, he never knew about, you know, about what happened in, in China with the opium and how the opium is, is basically fentanyl at this point and it's playing out in our world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I tell you what, I mean, I think unless we want to open another whole can of worms, I don't don't have much to add, you know, like I think this was, I'm, I'm all through the butt worms, man. No more butt worms today. <laughs> no more butt worms. Thank you very much. Yeah, good. I, I think it was a good episode, y'all. I really appreciate it. And uh, I guess, you know, we usually end with plugs. If you have anything to plug, I'll I'll start. Easy Peasy Podcast, Hey Duke 2029. You can get all my links at uh, easypeasy.ittybitty.tips. So I'm gonna plug uh, Black Labs podcast. That's uh, that's Rob and yeah. his BlackLabs.net. Uh, Rob's a real cool guy. Check out his show; it's great. And my show is Burn Babylon Burn and the Doom Kitchen. And you can find all the links at LibertyLinks.io/slash/TheDoomKitchen. You're muted, Fido. There we go. I'm sorry about that. That's all right. I've, I was unmuted and then I muted it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I'm Phytophiliac. I have music on um, mostly on SoundCloud, uh, but it is available on all streaming platforms. Just had a song released. It was a collaboration between myself and Dr. Dennis and Deadfella. It is on, on Spotify if you um, use that platform, but it's on all of them. But it's a really good song. I, uh, it's called The Time Is At Hand. And uh, that's our latest project that has been finished and ready to go. So there's going to be more, but SoundCloud and Spotify for sure. Awesome. Oh, and to plug that a little bit more, uh, she was just on Grand Theft World Liberty Radio. And there was an interview there and uh, and two of the songs. And it was awesome. So check that out. I will definitely check that out. I'm curious, real quick. uh, I know Filiac would be like someone who loves something so what is phylo phyto is phyto. Uh, the latin word for plant mm. and so phytophiliac is someone who loves plants makes and, sense um, makes sense you can see my plants behind me the ones that survived <laughs> i feel i feel almost ashamed that i didn't i wasn't able to um <laughs> i guess translate that myself but i'm also a phytophiliac so yeah takes all forms yeah. <laughs> And we got OG Dad Bod. We didn't hear a lot from you today, brother, but we always appreciate you. Yeah, no, nah, man. I'm trying to pick my damn brain up, up off the floor. I'm kind of <laughs> mind fucked right now. I, I don't think I've been <laughs> drinking enough to, to really have uh, put too much in this conversation. You know, maybe that's it's like a good role to serve for the forum, like the guy who's just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, what the fuck? <laughs> well, exactly, man. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, really appreciate y'all being here. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it again. Thanks for letting me hang out. This was really fun. All right. No problem. And we're going to, we're going to hear Ando's music on our way out. Um, if you, if <laughs> you roll you know, it up, roll it up, like, like start it low okay, and then okay. slide the slider up as you go. And I then see, I see. Yeah. This is how yeah, we so learn. We can talk over it a little bit. And this is yeah. how we learn. Yes. And there. yeah, there we go. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, to the What the Fuck Forum. What the fuck? <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> <laughs>